warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 389. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushovers, pop culture. Leftovers. And we're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Something has crept or has been driven out of dark waters under the mountains. There are older and fallow things and orcs in the deep places of the world. And you're listening to one of them. This is Pop Culture Leftovers Podcast. You shall not fast forward! Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And we're, we're the leftovers. leftovers. Oh, Jake, we we phoned it in. I thought that was good. It, it sounded professional, but I, I feel like the energy, the enthusiasm wasn't there. It just wasn't there for me, Jake. On my end, it was whole heart. Am I the problem here, Jake? <laughs> this week for sure. Oh my god, Jake! I'm on the other end of this. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to beat around the bush, but I, I was whole heart this this one. Oh my god, Jake! You brought it, and I fuck. I found. I found it in like a little bitch. Um, yeah, I was bleeding PCL through those words. Oh my god! Oh fuck! <laughs> oh, Jake, I've never been on the other end of this. Usually it's you that's fucking it up. You know, like seriously, I can't, it's just, just countless times, countless intros that we've done. Countless. I was super excited to have all this passion and surprise you with it and us be on the same level for once. And here we are. Maybe that's the fucking problem, Jake. <laughs> Is this, you're the boy that cried wolf. I'm thinking you're going to bring it every week. And I, and this one time I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bring the same energy that Jake brings week in, week out. And this week you're like, no, I'm going to do it different, Jake. Why, why can't we get on the goddamn same page? Yeah, I don't know. And I'm, I'm not going to promise you I'm going to have the passion next week. So it'll just be a mystery then too. Yeah, fuck that. You know <laughs> I'd like to say, hey, just just bring the passion next week, and I'll be there to match. I think we're not having again. I think we're I think we're super passionate about uh, our our hatred for each other doing these intros. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> yeah, the intro. Oh my god, how many different ways can we talk about how we said we're the leftovers and we're the leftovers? Yeah. All right. Okay, we're not alone this week. We're we're joined. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, I started. I, my favorite all time is when I dead aired you. I always I think about that and laugh. One time you you were I'm Brian and I was there was just nothing. <laughs> what the what happened that week, dude? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> What the fuck? Guys, we're not alone this week. We're not alone this week. Uh, we're joined by a duo this week. Uh, we've got Dan Ramirez and Steve Hudson from the Heroes of Noise. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Already feeling the love amongst the co-hosts, so this is going to be a good one, I think. <laughs> Likewise. I'm loving the intro already. I'm Why? in. I'm in. Why the fuck? Are you? you guys are just stoking the fire. <laughs> That's all. No, no, I like this. I like this. I felt the, I felt a little bit of jabs at each other there. I think they're just as bad as us, Brian. I don't know which of us is more like the old married couple at this point. Oh yeah, God, it gets that way, doesn't it, Jake? I think, I, I think we've got the two people guesting on this episode that can relate the most with us. I, I think Dan and Steve feel that. Oh, too. for sure, absolutely, for sure. <laughs> Freaking Dan over here. <laughs> Oh my, it all comes out now. Yeah. <laughs> a therapeutic session. <sighs> yeah, you're a little taxing, Dan. No, I'm kidding. Dan, I'm sorry. You can say you're kidding all you want to. We all know that's not true. The real hero of this episode is Dan's wife. I'm, ki- I'm kidding. No. Hey, you're lying, no. Dan. Oh, not lying. It's true. I no, I'm fucking with you, Dan. I love you. I, I'm happy to have you guys on. I love having you guys on. We have you like last time we had you on. It was like I think it was like our first one of our first episodes to begin this new year of 2021. And now we've got you back mid year, and I'm happy to guy have happy to have you guys back on. And uh, God, we got this episode is front loaded with some stuff that uh, that we've got to talk about. And uh, first, Jake. Uh, what was it? A couple of weeks ago, I pissed and moaned about not getting iTunes reviews for about a month. And uh, Jake, guess what? Nothing changed. No, we've got some iTunes reviews. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here we are, iTunes reviews. It's That was loud as shit, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was like a sonic fucking boom in my ears. I, I had to turn my iPhone down. Jesus Christ, that guy's fucking loud. I, I, I head banging and everything. Well, it, it, I, I pissed and moaned about iTunes reviews, and then all of a sudden, I turned into like fucking like old man McGee, not wanting to listen to that shit. Like, oh God, can I? <laughs> can we get something a little bit more soothing as the uh, iTunes review bumper? So, can we get? I love that bumper. It's one of my all-time faves. I want. I want to get. Can we get? Can we get Michael McDonald to sing the iTunes bumper, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> if it's home, it's not. How, <laughs> Let's get uh, Kenny P to do like a soothing solo. We don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> These are iTunes reviews. Really good. Yeah. Oh God, that's what I, I want. A Michael McDonald iTunes review bumper, Jake. Jesus, I'm getting too old for this shit. You know, like the guy, you know, like the old poster. If it's too loud, you're too old. I'm the, I'm the opposite of that. It, it's definitely too loud. The iTunes bumper. <laughs> I don't want to be in front of that speaker. Yeah, we need the loud right at the beginning of the episode. It boosts us up. 
Here I am, I'm bitching about loud, and I'm like typically the loudest guy on this podcast week to week, Jake. <laughs> the irony was not lost. <laughs> uh, let's see here. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Oh, we got an iTunes review here from uh, Music Fan 5678. And uh, it's titled, uh, The Best Bumpers, Three Exclamation Points, Jake. <laughs> nice. And uh, it's a five-star, and it uh, goes on to say, I miss hearing the review bumper. So you've, you've got your wish, music fan 5678. You got to hear the review bumper. Thank you for the iTunes review, and thank you for blowing out my goddamn – that fucking bumper is loud as shit, Jake. <laughs> yeah, it's a loud one. Jesus Christ, I never noticed how loud that fucking thing was. It comes in hot, too. There's no, like, slow buildup. <laughs> Listen to this fucker. It's Shut up. Take it down. Jesus. Jesus. Shut up. Jesus. We get it. Yeah, get off my lawn, is- offspring wannabe band. <laughs> yes, he is far too enthusiastic about y'all's show. No shit. No oh, shit. Thanks a lot, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> How enthusiastic should he be, Steve? I mean, I, I'm just anyway. Go ahead. I mean, I don't know what else oh, Wow, wow, wow! Steve just backed into the bushes like Homer Simpson. <laughs> no, I think he just came out of the bushes and fucking. <laughs> uh, we got a what do we got? Uh, Five star review here from Chappie MW. It's titled Great Podcast. It's a five star and it says, now you can stop crying about not getting a review for a month. <laughs> I sent a theme this week on the iTunes reviews. <laughs> Jake, I think it was less about me crying. I think it was more like a, a childish temper tantrum with me. <laughs> I do share your desire to get, this didn't, this backfired though. We, we cried, we begged for iTunes reviews and then we get possibly the worst batch of itunes reviews i've ever heard you read <laughs> i know it's like why do we want them <laughs> i asked for this yeah yeah oh christ yeah it's like asking for a blowjob and then she's got braces and it's tearing your dick up or something you know <laughs> God damn, it's just... exactly like that like exactly <laughs> 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 i don't want a cheese grater on my dick steve and I feel like these iTunes reviews are cheese graters on my penis. That's what all the kids are into, cheese graters on the dicks. I don't want, I, I don't want Parmesan penis. <laughs> Guys, uh, Dan underscore 2814. Jake, the underscore, was it necessary? It never is. <laughs> never. <laughs> and it's titled Family Show, and it's a five star, and it goes on to say, You don't need reviews every week when you got family, Brian. And this is the this is the best one of the week, but still not great. I like it because it was kind of topical with the Dom Toretto family memes that were the big rave. Uh, yeah, that part's funny, but the part I don't like is still them saying they're doing this because we threw a tantrum about it. Oh, yeah, us pissing and moaning about getting <laughs> reviews. Yeah, that seems to yeah, be... That's what leads into the, the family joke. The family joke isn't the issue. Right, yeah, okay, yeah. Respect the family joke game. On the flip side, yeah, we were pissing and moaning, and you're bringing that to our attention. We get it. It's still, it's still thematically 
in the same camp that the last two bad ones were. Right. <laughs> Thematically, all these iTunes reviewers are dickheads, right, Jake? <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> that's the theme this week. Uh, right. Do we have more? No, that's all the dickheads we got this week, Jake. All right. So, yeah. I want to thank our gaggle of dickheads this week for the reviews. Let's, let's leave a review that doesn't comment of us begging for reviews. Right. That would be fantastic for next week. Yeah. <laughs> Jake, now you're, now you're just asking for it. All right? Now you're just asking for it. I want to I thank uh, – we got some people that sent um, – some things in the mail and, and, and things like that to us this week. I do want to think, uh, Jake, I didn't tell you about this and I opened it early cause I didn't know it was from a listener. But, um, a couple of weeks ago we talked about something that we weren't able to get on the internet and listener Nathan McConnell sent a box and it had a gift for me and you and Nathan McConnell. And this made my fucking day. Uh, Nathan McConnell sent us two boxes of Loki charms. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god, that's amazing. (laughs) I know. If we were doing this podcast, I would be driving in my car to you right now. (laughs) Jake, next time I see you, I will give you uh, your box of Loki charms. This was a a General Mills made uh, limited edition uh, Loki charms. Uh, It was a Loki Lucky Charms variant uh, cereal, and it had Loki on the front as the Loki charms. Uh, Lucky Charms, the leprechaun guy. And, uh, yeah, he sent us, uh, two boxes. So one for me, one for you. And, uh, we, we both get a box of the Loki Charms. And we both tried to get them. And on the day of release, we couldn't get them. And, uh, Nathan McConnell hooked us up. I, I was, uh, when I opened the box, I was just, I was fucking, Jake, I was flabbergasted, sir. Yeah, I would have, my jaw would have hit the floor. I was, I was blown away. I was really happy. Like it, it, it really fucking made my day. Cause, um, I don't know. On one hand, I'm so happy, but on the other hand, I'm like, this guy's one of those jerky scalpers. <laughs> 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 this is the guy that made me so mad the day I tried to get a box. Oh, but, but he hooked us up, Jake. I'm not mad yeah, at yeah, him. Everything turned, all's well that ends well. I yeah. Yeah, so thank you, Nathan McConnell. You really made my day. My nephew uh, is over uh, at my house, and he's doing, like, some repair work. He's, like, really good at, like, doing home repairs and stuff. So my nephew was over, and uh, he was working in my bathroom. <laughs> like, I, like, go in there. I'm like, dude, one of my listeners sent me these little charms. <laughs> you sounded so cool. <laughs> he's like, my uncle is an embarrassment. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then he proceeded to kick the shit out of me, Jake. <laughs> he, he he beat me within an inch of my life with the box of Loki charms. <laughs> well, that that's your box, the one that he beat you. With. Yeah, it's it's blood it's blood stained. It looks like the it looks like an episode title for the Invincible show on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Hey, so. do the Loki charms have like customized Marvel charms? I wish yes. they do. They? I didn't I think, think they did, man. Maybe I need to look at them closer, man. I thought they were Infinity Gym marshmallows in the box. Well, oh my god, Jake, you're blowing my goddamn mind. I need to go look at one of these boxes. I <laughs> thought <laughs> that's what was going on in it. <sighs> but thank you, Nathan McConnell, for the Loki charms. It really fucking it did make my day. I was like. I had a fucking smile 
uh, for a while, and then I read those iTunes reviews we got from those dickheads, and I was just like, uh, there's nothing to... Yeah, dude, it, I'm so glad you saved this news for me. I don't know what else could have brought me out of the funk that those iTunes reviews... I know. <laughs> they're, and they're all five stars, too, Jake. It's just like a, it's a slap in the face. The only stars I want to see are the ones that I'm eating out of that Loki Charms box, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> So blue stars. Uh, what is it? Uh, is it is it blue stars? Or the blue diamonds. I, I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> Jake, what what cereal are you eating over there, sir? <laughs> I'm colorblind. Okay, I don't I don't know. All right. Also, I also want to thank one of our listeners, uh, Taryn, uh, who sent the donation to us. Jake, that was that was super sweet. Yeah, that was awesome. All, all the donations that that helps us so much. Yeah, I really appreciate it. it helps us uh, go to see these movies and to uh, get the and all the people that are patrons and everything. It helps us to to rent these movies and go see these movies. And and it's it's seriously, it's a huge fucking help. So thank you, Taryn. That was super awesome. Got an email here from Stephanie Haynes, and uh, she's talking about. I think it was episode three. 87. Yeah, 387. And she says, Hey, Brian, Jake, and Tristan, I know you get this, you, you get these emails a lot, but I just really wanted to thank you for this week's episode. I love them all, but this one specifically really helped me. I've been going through like a one third life crisis lately. It's been a really rough time. I genuinely laughed a lot while listening and it was so refreshing to drop the happy facade. I've been putting on. I put PCL above all other podcasts and always listen to it first. And this is exactly why. Thank you again. Love you guys, Stephanie. So Stephanie Haynes, she's on her discord. She's super sweet. She's been on um, some of the Patreon episodes where we do the round table episodes and she is an awesome listener. And I'm glad that uh, me, <laughs> me and Jake and Tristan made her day with that that episode where we Jake that was the one where we had that fucking energy bumper that we were dropping fucking every yeah, five seconds. Energy. Yeah. So I do believe I earned more energy than Tristan. You, Jake, it was all fake. It was all phony. <laughs> Nobody earned any energy that episode. Um and uh the final announcement before we get to everything in the episode and I was actually gonna do this for the for the last episode that we did, but I didn't realize it fell on Black Widow. But uh, episode 400 is quickly approaching, Jake. Uh, we are 11 episodes away from episode 400. And I wanted to make this episode our official announcement um, that on episode 400, we're going to be handling it like we've handled all the previous uh, 100 episodes where we have members of the Leftover Army and people that listen on the podcast to just come on and shoot the shit and talk with us. And every 15 minutes, we'll be bringing in a new person and talking to them and we'll go for as long as we need to go. Uh, probably have anywhere from 25 to 30 people on the episode. I'm not sure yet. But um, if you want to join us for episode 400, send me an email titled episode 400 and uh, send it to comments at popcultureleftovers.com and uh, tell me that you want to be on the episode. We're going to join on Skype. Make sure that you have a microphone and that you're able to join and uh, the date will be determined the closer we get to episode 400 let me know that you want to be on the episode give me your skype handle make sure you have skype give me your skype handle i'll add you on skype and um i will uh we'll figure out 
what times everybody how do we do that jake god damn it it's been fucking two years since i've done this and i feel like it's the first time we'll figure out what times people can uh yeah once i get all the names in i'll send out the times and then from that point on people will pick the times that they want to jump on the episodes so send me send me your information first and just title it episode 400 don't title it anything else just title it episode 400 and uh, i'll get back to you and uh if uh hopefully you, i don't know i can't have too many people on but like i think like the first 25 30 people we we get emails from jake we'll have them on it's awesome and don't be afraid to submit you don't don't think you have to be one of our regular rotating co-hosts to be the one listening to what we're saying we'd love to hear from people we haven't heard from before that that would just blow our minds especially if you've been a long time listener you know oh god so, yeah yeah, I love that. Yeah, like, you know, I'm sure we're going to have some of the regulars on, but uh, I would love to hear from new people. Like last year, it was like Gilbert fucking blew me away uh, two years ago when we had oh, him he on. He came in hot. He came in super hot, dude. Yeah, so, yeah, send me an email, comments at Pop Culture Leftovers, title it episode 400, and uh, I'll let you know if we can get you on. Um, Okay. That Jake, no contest this week, but we do have some contests coming uh, for the end of the month, and then we do have contests in August, so I'm looking forward to those, but uh, let's jump into... We know which six listeners just stopped this episode right after you made that announcement. <laughs> Monica Garola, Alfredo <laughs> Tostado's done. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm done. Delete. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, guys, let's jump into this week's Good Pop, Bad Pop. Time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Jake, that bumper's effective. Like, he doesn't fucking scream. You know what I mean? It's not too boisterous and too loud. It's effective. It's very concise and yeah. to the point, too. Yeah. That fucking... <laughs> Do you guys not like the person who sent you that, that bumper? No, it's, it's, I, I just, I honestly, Steve, something. I think, no, I, I think I just, I turned, I, I feel like this week I've just, I've turned my age and it just got le- a little loud for me this week. I, I, you know, I feel like, I feel like an elderly dog listening to fireworks. Everything startles me now. <laughs> <laughs> We win a lot of yacht rock version. (laughs) Yacht rock version. We went a lot of weeks without hearing it, Steve. So it was a little bit jarring. jarring. It was jarring. It was jarring. We thought we wanted it, Jake. And then when we got it, it was like, whoa. I I didn't realize how fucking loud that was. Oh, my God. All right. And then and then and then the reviews that followed. Oh, uh, that didn't help either. No, no. Everybody's a goddamn. Everybody's a goddamn comedian, Jake. Oh, I know. We just really set everyone up for those amazing <laughs> five star jokes. <laughs> for the Pop culture leftovers with the assist. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs> I do. Hey guys, good pop, bad pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and/or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system and me talking as if I'm a carnival barker or something. What the <laughs> fuck am I doing right now, Jake? What is going on with me? 
Wow. I was waiting to win a giant teddy bear. <laughs> Jake, I'm going to guess your weight, sir. I don't know. What the fuck? <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Speaking about guessing weight, here's something that uh, – hold on. Let me play the rating system. I'm going I'm to get back to this. Hold on. The rating system is simple. Yeah, toss it, taste it, Tupperware. Anyway, <laughs> here's the thing. Have you ever fucking like – when you're like in a store and you're getting ready to buy something and it's got a light on it? Like a light, like a flashlight or like anything that's got a fucking light on it. Like your phone's got a fucking like light on it and shit. And they brag about how many lumens it is. You ever heard about the lumens rating? Oh, this one's got like a thousand lumens. This one's got 15,000 lumens. Absolutely. Yeah, that's their bragging <laughs> point. That's what, that's what they're trying to sell to you. Man. What the Those fuck? Lumens. How can you tell how many fucking lumens are in a fucking light? Who the fuck? No, no one does. Nobody no fuck. You can tell me that there's fucking two trillion lumens in something and I don't know. Who's the fucking, who's the guy at the fucking carnival that you can take a flashlight up to and you can guess how many fucking lumens are in it? I don't know how many fuck, you can tell me any amount of lumens that are in any fucking technology and I'll believe you. I'm a fuck, I'm lumens ignorant. I don't know anything about lumens. Jake, I, I, people could be lying to us about lumens, Jake. How does that make you feel? I mean, a little uncomfortable. I'm <laughs> We should come up with a product called Lumens Infinity. Unlimited Lumens. Uh, no, I think we need to come out with a product that fucking gives you the actual amount of, like, what Lumens you're looking at. Like, fucking, like... Ignorant. Yeah, like, fucking, like, uh, a Lumens bullshitter. Like, you're telling did me... You that the Lumen Ignorant? I did, thank you. What did you say? <laughs> Thanks, bud. I appreciate that. I missed it. I missed it. I apologize. Oh, that was good. But yeah, I like I don't know how many lumens are in stuff. Like 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 It was okay, it was okay Steve. <laughs> one of them days. It's gonna be one of them days. Steve didn't expect to be talked back to. He went right back to mute. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I talking about lumens? Do you guys I'm remember making it work? Do you do you remember you remember Ludens? The <laughs> Oh yeah, the cough drops that taste like lifesaver. <laughs> oh my god. I could dude, that was candy. The fucking Ludens. That shit like candy. hundred percent, a hundred percent. As a kid I would like try a halls and be like, What the fuck is this? Oh I know. This thing is disgusting. You it's fuck Ludens. you effervescent piece of shit. Fuck you <laughs> I want a fucking lifesaver's one. <laughs> <laughs> and then I slapped my mother in the face. And the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> no, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> what, what, what the, I'm sorry. I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know where we got off on talking about. I was just, I was thinking about this, that this week, but the whole lumens thing, like, they could be lying to, I don't know, I don't, I couldn't tell you what 1,000 lumens looks like or 2,000 or 10,000 lumens looks like. I think it's bullshit, Jake. I think it's bullshit. I think they could be lying to us about lumens. You think they're just making it up? There's no science there. What's the lumen scale? Like, how can you look at lumens and be like, oh, yeah, well, that's clearly fucking 7,000 lumens. <laughs> All right, this is the worst episode we've ever done. I, th- <laughs> I was it's like, it, dude, I'm, I'm with you, Jay. I'm with. I wasn't you. gonna let that Mobius loop continue. I was cutting it off. No, I'm with you. I feel where Brian's coming from. I feel it. I'm feeling you. Hey, well, that would have been nice to hear about ten minutes ago, Steve. I know. I'm sorry. 
I mean, I, you I, had me deep in thought because if somebody was like, hey, your car has this many horsepower, I'd buy it. I'd be like, oh, 900? Right, okay, sure. Okay. All right, I've car. Never tested that. Before. Yeah. I believe you, car guy. <laughs> sure. Yeah, whatever, dude. I don't know. Horsepower? Whatever. Sure, 900 horsepower. That sounds right. Or pixels. Pixels. Tell me how many pixels my TV have. I'm like, sure. Who the fuck is going to sit there and count the pixels? One pixel. What fucking anal ripper? What fucking anal motherfucker is going to sit there and count pixels? (laughs) It's all a fucking lie. We're living a lie. I fucking lost count. (laughs) What? Oh god, yeah, oh my god, I lost count. 532. <laughs> oh fuck, I blinked. Fucking words like count these pixels. Ah <laughs> oh, shit, and then your light goes out and you're like, yeah, 15,000 lumens, my ass! <laughs> <laughs> the harder they loom and the harder they fall. <laughs> oh, there we go. Nicely done, Jake. Nicely done. <laughs> Everybody gets congratulatory on their lumens puns, not me. Jeez, I was getting my fucking. (laughs) I was like the king of jokes. I know. I was like, I was like, hey, remember Ludens? And like, it it was (laughs) nothing. Barely responded to Brian. (laughs) Jesus. I know. (laughs) We'll make it up to you, buddy. You got long. Man, even I felt really bad for you there. That was crazy. No, I. Funny. God, I feel like one of those wish. (laughs) I feel like one of those wish kids that's just gonna die. (laughs) <laughs> just trying to keep you humble that's all <laughs> trust me trust me trust okay here we go I, uh, first off for good pop bad pop i want to let everybody know that i did finish uh gene smart's season of hacks on hbo max did anybody else watch hacks on hbo max oh i've got the, yes, i've got two episodes left steve yes dude Dude, this is like I love this fucking series, man. And it it's been greenlit for a season 2. We're getting a season 2. I absolutely loved this first season. I'm I'm going to give it the highest of Tupperwares. I I loved it. I guess my only kind of complaint was at the end of the season, um, you know, they kind of built up to like this act that she's been putting together with this young, uh, you know, comedy writer. I, w- I guess I wanted to see a little bit more of the act that they worked on and we didn't get to yeah. see that. They kind of cut that off right before we got to see the act. But, you know, I, but it's, it's, pro- oh God, trust me. It's promising that we're getting a season two for this because like if HBO cancels Lovecraft Country, they'll cancel anything at this point. Anything. Anything. Yeah. Something had to have happened behind the scenes there, right? There's something we don't know about why they canceled Lovecraft Country, because they've they've let shit that had way worse ratings have season twos. Well, how many Emmy nominations did Lovecraft... What am I saying? Emmy nominations don't mean shit, Jake. Fucking... It cleaned up up on any nominations. It doesn't matter. Arrested Development fucking won the Emmy for Best Comedy, and then it was canceled. So it doesn't matter. Travesty. A travesty. Agreed. Oh. Yeah. It's weird for HBO, though. I mean, they've let... 
Like, you know, as much as I love Leftovers, it had way worse ratings than Minecraft Country. It did. Way worse critical reception. But what, what, what is, what does that mean? Does that mean that they had a, that they wanted to deepen their relationship with Damon Lindelof, maybe get him back for future projects? We did see him work on The Watchmen. Yeah, I agree with that, but I, I think that just kind of more proves my point that I think something else had to have soured the relationship between the creative team and HBO here. Yeah. Um, we've really only heard mostly actors from what I've seen speaking out about how upset they are. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think we've yet to hear the, the full story about Lovecraft country and we, we may get a second season somehow. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Like, you know, once fucking Jonathan major starts doing the rounds for some of the movies that he's doing, hopefully he'll come out and say some things about like why, you know, cause he's going to be asked like what happened to Lovecraft country. So, but uh Dan, did you watch all of Hacks? I did. I loved it, man. It's uh so well written and such a great like character study of these two individuals, you know. Um yeah. I just everything about it, like I love it when a show comes together and it's so intelligently written and like the play the the dialogue off of these two, you know, they're two comedians, they're both very quick witted and the way that they go back and forth with each other with this like verbal warfare, and it's like you can tell it's it's turning into love, but there's also this underlying hatred there, mm-hmm. too. And Hacks is one of those shows that I like where there's always, like, an underlying problem. Like, this problem will surface at some point. We yeah. just don't know when it's going to hit, you know, because there's all these – like, for instance, I'm referring to the um, – not to be specific where people haven't watched it, but the Las Vegas episode where she's walking around and she meets that uh, that guy, the gambler. The one that was like flirting with her the whole time, and they spend the evening yeah. together, and they come, yeah. and they come across, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm blanking on the names, unfortunately, because I wasn't pre- prepared to talk about it. But they come across the comedian, and um, just like that dialogue that they had, where she's drunk, she's insulting them, and she doesn't even know that she's doing so, and then she goes back in a rage, and like, I won't say what she does, but she does something, and I knew at that moment, I'm like, that's going to come back and haunt her, and I thought mm. it was going to come sooner. Yeah, I'm glad it didn't. Yeah, god damn it. Oh, Steve, you're watching. You you did you finish Hacks? I finished it. I think for me, I'm always I've always watched those documentaries like uh the comedy store or the life of a comedian. So this thing, there was the little things that I took away from it that I loved was when like I was rooting for Homegirl. I was like, "Oh, I can't wait for her to get to write for this amazing comic." And she wrote something and the comic was like, "Where's the punchline?" Yeah, and I, was, I thought the the joke was funny, but she was totally right. I was like, "That's true. You need a thing to let people know it's okay to laugh." It's stuff like that. But I was like, "Oh, this is written by a comedian. Someone knows the game who wrote this show." And I just thought it was really fun. I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't even know. Like, if you read this thing on paper, it doesn't sound like a good show. If someone's like, "Hey, you need to watch Hacks," and I said, "What is it about?" And they're like, "Oh, you know this." upcoming you know this person that kind of kind of got blown off of twitter starts writing for an age comic i'd be like i'm not watching the show i'm not gonna do this this is ridiculous but when you watch it without when you actually give it a shot you're gonna you're gonna blow through all that so no dude yeah yeah uh, it, it was one of those where i watched like the first couple episodes and then yeah i let maybe a couple episodes stack up but i would always get back to it and it was it was one of those things where it's so it's so bingeable to watch hacks, I knocked that shit out in a day. There you go. Nothing that's, to do. That's proof. The whole thing. It was great. It's, I don't regret it at all. It's super bingeable. Like you thought you handled that shit like it was Netflix, dude. That's right, yes. man. I mean business when I do that shit. That's awesome. No, I'm glad that everyone. Brian, you, and, and and Dan and no Jake, you're not there yet. But um, 
I don't think they should have. I, I think it's good that they didn't show the set because I think it would have changed the tone. If you're really, really uncomfortable, because she's like, it didn't go well. Yeah, I yeah. don't know if the tone wouldn't have ended right, because it was like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable. I but get the fact that she didn't, he, and she was able to like make it a funny little time. But if I would have watched that set and it went bad, yeah, there's no way to change my mood now. I'm like, ooh, I get, I get that, <laughs> I get that. It's it's one of those things where I think for the whole season, Steve, I was I was that was what I was waiting for. I was waiting for that. And then when it didn't happen, I was just like, okay, all right. I didn't get to see it, but I guess that's what kind of like leads us into season two. You know, that's exactly true. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. So they could have made it so that she's more of like a Chappelle now. Whereas like, is, is Chappelle funny right now? Like funny. I wouldn't say he's funny, but he makes, she could have been like, I'm making, I'm telling a story now. Dude, I think I'm at the point where I don't need to be funny anymore. I can just tell a story. I think Chappelle and Bill Burr have taken observational humor in a totally different direction, and and just it's they're throwing it right back at us. And they're, you yeah. know what I mean? They're making Bill Burr is the funniest person walking the earth. Dude, right thank now. you, thank the you. Funniest person yeah. walking the planet right now. Yeah, is Billiam Burr. Yeah, I love Bill yeah. Burr. I fucking love that guy. <laughs> No question. It's not even close. I fucking love Bill Burr. I don't, I, I used to listen to the Monday morning podcast quite a bit, but I haven't been listening to it in a while. I gotta get back to that shit. He is so fucking funny. I love that guy. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about football, but if I, I, I would love, to, I just love hearing him fucking talk about football and, and all this shit. I love hearing about it. Oh, so it's in the, I, I saw him live at the, uh, Bram. Uh, he didn't do a set. He said, I'm sorry, I, I didn't do my set today. He just started talking about people in the crowd. And it's not that, what do you do for a living? I'm yeah. a this. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. He's just like, wow, you sure are moving a lot. And all of a sudden, it just starts going, dude. Incredible. That's awesome. If you ever get a chance, check. But yeah, he's the funniest person walking the planet. Yeah, I love Bill Burr. I don't know. Um, I'm, also, <laughs> I'm also a big fan of Daniel Tosh. So... Yeah, he's good. No, he's good. Don't be sorry for that. Uh, it's just his show is goofy. Uh, see, he's a good stand up. I'll I'll watch Tosh Point oh and I enjoy Tosh Point Tosh Point oh for what it is. But like, it's a completely different thing when you see him do stand up. He's a complete. He's he's the same, but he, it's not like he's not talking about videos. He's talking about himself. He's talking about his family. He's talking, you know, like his sister and all this stuff. He is so fucking funny. I love Daniel Tosh. So he's, yeah. kind of, he's one of those comics where there's there's two different comics. There's those comics that they try to make you think they're making it up on the slide. That's Bill Burr. To make it seem like, hey, I'm, I'm making it up on the fly. Eddie Murphy, I'm making it up on the fly. Then there's George Carlin. Yeah. It's like, oh, he obviously wrote this out, and he has a thing where he's just going to go straight forward. That's Daniel Tosh. That's George Carlin. That's kind of um, – Jesselneck is kind of like that. Yeah. But he kind of splits off, and he'll do some crowd work too. But they all have it. Hey, I've written this out. This is how it's going to go. But Daniel Tosh was great at that. He's yeah. fantastic. I've seen Daniel Tosh twice live, and a couple a couple great comedy shows that I've been to are just seeing Daniel Tosh. I love Daniel Tosh. Jake, we gotta go see Daniel. I'm gonna take you to a Daniel Tosh show one of these days. I'd go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, re- God, let's move on to the next thing. 
Uh, and I'm sorry I spurred that hacks on. I just wanted to let our listeners know that there's a lot of times I bring up shows and like people are maybe curious, like, did you fucking finish it? You, you fucking suck the dick of that fucking show, that entire fucking episode. Did you finish it? I finished hacks and I fucking loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I give it a Tupperware. Can't wait for season two. Resident Evil Infinite Darkness on Netflix, uh, federal agent Leon S. Kennedy teams up with Terra Safe staff member Claire Redfield to invest a zombie outbreak. It's based on the popular video game series of the same name by Capcom. I've been playing Resident Evil games since the mid-90s. Uh, haven't played every game, but uh, yeah, this is like a CGI um, animated uh, series. Four episodes, about 25 minutes apiece uh, with Leon Kennedy and Claire Redfield, and it's set between Resident Evil 4 and 5 and uh, I made it through one episode and I tossed this. It is fucking terrible. And there's no way in fuck I'm going back to watch any more of this. It was absolute garbage. I tossed it. I, I have nothing else to say. I want to hear what you got. Jake, what did you think? <laughs> yeah, this was <laughs> devoid of all personality completely. I, I gave it two episodes. Um, it's really a shame. I mean, I know it's Resident Evil and it's supposed to be a little bit tongue-in-cheek and campy but it's not like that. it's like the voice acting is really bad it has this weird animation thing where it doesn't ever look like the characters are on the same like plane or level as the backgrounds and the scenery i mean it has really cool lighting effects and the the models and, and the zombies look really good but the the movement is just not so fluid and it looks very bizarre and it just it literally has no personality at all like it is just completely bland devoid of any like fun whatsoever yeah it was like yeah. uh, me reading the itunes reviews this week yeah, it, was, it was pretty bad and i'm actually a pretty big fan of the last two cg movies that they've done and i, I was pretty excited to see this and this is this is a step down from what they delivered there i don't know if this is just a completely different team mm. but yeah, this is not good. Leon's one of my favorite Resident Evil characters. Me too, yeah. I like Claire a lot too. I was excited to see Leon pop up in this, uh, in the first episode and then the episode continued. Yeah, I just don't care. <laughs> it's a lot of psycho babble about a lot of shit that doesn't make any sense and you just want them to get to some action and even when they do, even that is very stilted and devoid of life and personality. I have this fucked up feeling that Steve loved this thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like we're like we're we're literally using this. Yeah, you're with me, Dan. Like, we're literally basically like using this show as a toilet right now. Like, I'm like like I've placed my ass over this fucking Netflix series, and I've I've taken a shit on it. And I feel like Steve's gonna love this thing. <laughs> I <I'm> like <laughs> this. one as soon as I, I was like okay i had to adjust my brain to how this sort of cgi 
CGI animation is. It took me a while to get around that. But once the, it, like, hit the fan, I was like, oh, zombies. Blowing people's head off. Zombies jumping on folks. I'm in. I'm in. It's fun. I was like, I, I don't think that it's... Like y'all think it sucks? Yeah, dude. I would, ra- dude. I, I like if this was titled Resident Evil Knievel, I would watch that shit to see Nicely fucking done. Evil Knievel on a motorcycle, just like blasting fucking zombies. I'm all in. But man, this was just like d- Jake. Did you say it was like devoid of anything fun or? Or is that yeah of of, of life of personality? Yes, yeah. I'm with you, dude. I was out. I was out. I, I tapped out after the first episode. I couldn't watch anymore. Well, see, I, I'm not a person that likes the video games because they're just a little bit. I love scary things, but it's almost like they make the video games to be like, let's just jump scare the piss out of everyone. And I'm like, okay, well then that doesn't make it fun. This it seems like they knew how to be like, all right, we're not going to go crazy with the jump scares. When things are, you could tell someone's a zombie and they, then they act like a zombie. I like that sort of thing. Now, mind you, it's not something that you're like, all right, everybody, sit down, get your popcorn, concentrate on that. No, you could be doing other stuff and watching this cool little flick on the screen. I like it. I like it. It's fine. I'm not going to be like, oh, sniff, this is crazy. But it sucked. I'm like, it's Resident Evil. There were residents that were evil. <laughs> Dundale, we're in. Oh God! You you yeah, set you set the wrong. They delivered on. They delivered. <laughs> There's a Steve. It, it's a very low bar with you, isn't it, sir? <laughs> I feel like I feel like. Hold on, Jake. They were trolls, and they went on a world. Tour. I feel like I feel like Steve could get a blowjob where basically the woman is just blowing on his penis, and he would say, "You know what." My penis was involved. She blew on it. I'm, I'm happy. I felt, I felt, I felt a light breeze on my penis, and I'm happy with this blowjob. Yeah, she explained it. If afterwards she's like, "I said a blowjob," be like, "You know what? You freaking did. well done." More like Steve was like, "Yeah, you know, I watched Debbie Does Dallas, and Debbie had sex with Dallas. It's the best one I ever saw." <laughs> Job well done. That is so funny. Job well done. Oh, Dan. Oh, God. Come on, man. Let's get back to reality here. Yes. Tell me how bad this was, please. (laughs) I won't only toss it. I'm going to toss it at someone I fucking hate. Like, I just... I only got about... I'll say... 20 minutes into the first one and I already knew like 5 minutes in this is absolute dog shit it looks like one big cutscene from a video game and that really threw me but I was willing to get past it for the content Yeah. and I was just bored to fucking tears I'm like let's at least get a zombie up in this bitch and when we did it did nothing for me and I'm not that guy like I'll usually like power through something particularly if I'm going to come onto a podcast and talk about it. I'll try to power through. And I was ready to be like, sorry, I just, yeah, I'm going to defer to Steve because I just can't do it. And I just, I don't, listen, if you like Resident Evil, and I, I would say check it out because, you know, it's kind of your thing and, and maybe you will like it. Maybe you'll be like Steve and just, just uh, accept absolute trash. Hey, the residents were evil, you know? Hey, <laughs> you know? hey, hey. It delivered on, it delivered on the title message. Yeah, man. But, man, you said you watched 20 minutes, but those last five? Oh, shit. That's coming from a guy that listens to a song yeah. for 20 seconds and then says it sucks. He's not wrong. I mean, they were very sparse with the action in this show, and it was like, 
it was like the part of the video game that you just want to end so you can get to the part where cool things are happening. But like that was this whole show until the last five minutes of both episodes. Yeah, you nailed it, man. It was just it was just it lacked emotion. It lacked anything of any type of uh, entertainment value for me. I just could not get down with it. Terrible. Yeah, I toss it as well. Well, Steve, you didn't rate it, man. Get- Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's a low taste. Low taste. Because, okay. because if you're doing other things, I will ask you if you're doing other things, it's gonna I don't I'm very interested in how many of your listeners, all the hundreds of thousands, are gonna be like, Hey, this sucked. I think someone's like, Hey, it was fun. It was really fun. Dude, trust me. Seven percent of them. If no, if if Anybody I hear from will be like the two people that it did enjoy it. Like, <laughs> like I never will hear from anyone that agrees with us. That never happens. It's it's the two people that fucking that 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 like this fucking thing that I'm gonna hear from. 100. percent No, no. Did y'all like Tokyo? Never mad people. Did y'all like Tokyo Station? I mean, what is that? The um the the train to Busan. Oh, that was called Soul Station. Soul Station. Did you guys like that? One? I think you, you you confused Tokyo Drift, Fast and Furious, the third movie in the franchise, with uh, Soul Station. I want to see I want to see Soul Drift now. Is that's the movie I want to see? Come on, you with your puns. <laughs> I know I'm so punny. No, um, I loved Soul Station, Steve. So you like the form of this CGI animation. You just hated this. Okay, that's fair. You just hated this show. It didn't, no. Soul Station didn't look like CGI animation. Yeah, they were very different. It was, it was, it looked more like anime. This was like, uh, this looked like a fucking video game, which I, like, if you do it right, I'm, I'm fine with that, man. If you give me fucking, if you give me like, uh, animation that looks like Final Fantasy, and I'm fine with that. That's cool. Just make the story and the, and the action compelling. And, and this just oh, didn't okay. do it for me. Totally fair. Yeah. Um, I did go, I don't know if anybody else got a chance to see this one. I actually saw it. They, uh, AMC has been doing, they just started doing, uh, AMC investors, um, screenings where in all honesty, I'll be honest with you guys, you don't have to be an AMC stock investor. You just have to kind of like sign up for their, AMC investor, uh, emails and they'll let you know of like what movies they're going to be releasing early for one night. And they released Escape Room Tournament of Champions early one night in the theaters. And, uh, so I went to a theater that was screening it and I saw it, uh, about a week and a half ago. And this just came out this weekend, but I got to see it a week and a half early, uh, through this, uh, AMC investor screening. And, uh, <laughs> I loved the first escape room. I thought the first escape room was super fun. The rooms were uh, like very creative. And Jake, I don't know if you remember this, that when the uh, Tomb Raider movie came out, I was like, oh my God, why can't they get the people that did escape room to do these Tomb Raider movies? Cause like the Tomb Raider movies, like she's like in a video game, she's like, and, you know, she encounters these puddle puzzles and things like that. And the escape room, Movies like the puzzles that the escape rooms that these people encounter in the movie are so fun and creative, and and um, then you get the the new uh, Tomb Raider movie with Alicia Vikander, which just didn't deliver for me. And uh, I loved that first escape room movie. And so when I had the chance to watch the second escape room tournament of champions, I'm there, and it basically picks up from like the moment when the last one 
Matt uh, left off. Uh, synopsis, six people unwittingly find themselves locked in another series of escape rooms, slowly uncovering what they have in common to survive and discovering they've all played the game before. So this is the tournament of champions. Everybody in this movie has actually, they're the survivor of their escape room. And each one uh, had a different theme for their escape room. And, uh, yeah, we've got uh, Taylor Russell, Russell coming back in this one. Logan Miller comes back in this one. And uh, we've got a lot of new people uh, in, in this movie as well. Did, Steve, Dan, did you guys watch the first Escape Room movie? I did. Okay. I'm... I don't know what happened, but I think I had the Mandela effect happen because I did see this movie, by the way. But I was under the impression that there were three of them, and no. I had no idea that it was like a continuing story. I thought it was just, you know, just a like a series of different people in these escape rooms. So I went into this one thinking that it was just like a standalone movie, and I guess now I don't have to see the first one because <laughs> I know what happens. Oh, dude, see, see, I watched I watched the first one when it came out in theaters, and then to prepare for this movie the day before. I watched the sequel. I watched the original again. Um, Steve, did you not like the first one? I loved the first one. Oh, dude, you're like, dude, me and you are on, finally, we're on the same page. Um, <laughs> it had an escape room. People escaped. <laughs> <laughs> it was a tournament. There were champions, dude. <laughs> so funny. Oh my god! Yeah, so you love you love the first escape room. Um, what? Okay, and what did you think? Did you watch the sequel? I did not get to see the sequel. Oh, dude, dude, dude! I, I'm going to tell you um, that when I saw the sequel, um, I my, my like my expectations were like super high for the movie, and I was like. Um, please be as amazing as the first one. Cause I think like the first one for me is like, I consider it a guilty pleasure because I don't think everybody loved that first movie. It's got like a rotten score on rotten tomatoes. And so I was like, I, this definitely has to be like a guilty pleasure for me. Cause not everybody is really <laughs> digging this one. And I absolutely loved it. And so my expectations were super high on the second one. And, um, I fucking love the second one. I think, I think I'm just a sucker for these movies, Jake. At the end of the day, I think I'm just a sucker for these escape room movies. I, I just think that the people that are behind these can create like these insane fucking scenarios within each of these escape rooms where these people have to get out of. And I am just sucked in as to like, how are they going to get out? I'm not trying to figure out, figure it out the entire time. I'm just letting it play out. I'm letting these characters figure it out for themselves. And I'm just having a blast watching them. Dan, so... Let me ask you, you did not watch the first one? You thought you watched it? No, I just, no, I, I, I know I didn't watch it, but I thought there were like extra ones. Like I thought there was, a, I thought this was a third one is what I'm trying to say. Okay. So okay. I thought it was just like a standalone movie. And yeah. honestly, I wouldn't have watched it. I just saw that you had, uh, I think either you texted me or you had tweeted it that you were going to see it. So I, I said, fuck it, I'll go check it out. And uh, so I'm sitting there and I'm watching this movie. It starts up. And I'm immediately like, oh, shit, like I probably should have seen the first one. You know, the way that they explain everything was great. But at first I was kind of like having that, uh, like I'm not into it because I, I wanted to go see the other one. You know, yeah, I mean, I almost yeah. left because I was like, this, I shouldn't see this one. And I'm so glad I didn't. That movie was entertaining as hell. Dude. I loved it. It was really cool. I mean, yeah. you know, it's definitely got that YA feel to it. But you're right. These these uh, 
these escape rooms that these people make, I mean, how fucking elaborate are they? Like a Tesla coils on a subway or like the whole beach one. I don't know. Like who who is doing this? Who is putting in this much effort yes. to be a bad guy? Yeah. Where's all this money coming from? <laughs> you know? I would rather watch this than the new Saw movies coming out. It's oh, more yeah. Yes. It's <laughs> it's more it's just more fun. Um I and in each movie I can pick out like what my favorite room is. Like in the first movie it's definitely like the upside down pool hall, the bar. And in this movie it was definitely like oh, you agree, Steve. Like that mo- that that room was incredible. With a so dope. And what happens when I'm cuz I didn't cuz there's uh the, piece, the three people that were the stars of the first movie, I was like, well, they're not going to get rid of any of these because I knew who they were. Yeah. And the surprise is like, oh my, I guess they were not holding any, any punches. And I was like, man, there are, everyone's up for grabs. I love that scene. Steve, you're going to, you're going to, dude, I think you're going to love the second one. I really do. I, there, there's I a, there's a, there's a twist in this one that just fucking, I was just like, holy shit. I, I was not expecting it. And, uh, I absolutely loved it. And, um, I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I, yeah, I, I guess, Jake, I think this falls in line with these new Jurassic World movies that are coming out that they, they can do no wrong when I watch them. Like I can listen. I feel like this is a bit different. I think we've yet to see this experiment with a different team of writers. Like you, with the Jurassic thing, it's like, as long as there's CGI dinosaurs, you don't give a shit who the fucking minds are behind it. Brian is a, Brian is a mindless moron when it comes to CGI dinosaurs. Yeah. I mean, it's yet to be proven if you're a mindless moron when it comes to escape rooms. I think the jury's still out there. <laughs> <laughs> we're still we're still waiting for that moment when they get different writers for Escape from Brian to see how fucking moronic you are. Um <laughs> time will tell. Dan, my favorite room in the new one was the um the uh, being outside of New York City, the Acid Rain yeah, Escape that Room. That was fucking dope. I liked that a lot. That was really really cool. Was it that me too? What was I your don't know why? Like I you would think that like I don't know. Like, it, it's place in the movie. I know it shouldn't have been going on, but it got me. Like, I was like, oh, shit. Look at that. It's pretty fucking awesome. But with the, the addition of the acid. Yes. Yes. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, there's this countdown to, like, this acid rain falling down. And, and you just – and anything it comes into contact with, it just fucking just, just melts it. It is uh, – I don't know. It was a really uh, fun and torturous uh, escape room. I, I – I'm, I guess I'm just a sucker for these escape rooms, Jake. I, I really like, I really enjoy them quite a bit. So, yeah, I, t- I like that one. How it was the like the one. Uh, what was that, Jake? I was, I'll have to check out the first one. It kind of slipped under my radar. I yeah, you, hadn't even thought about it until I saw the trailer for the new one. And, and, and sadly, right now, you can't stream it anywhere for free. You've got to rent it. I, I went ahead and fucking dropped the four or five bucks or whatever it took on, on, uh, Apple. Uh, TV to rent it, and uh, I was glad that I rented the first one again as a refresher uh, going into this one. And Dan, God damn it, have you have you gone back and watched the first one since you watched the sequel? No, but when I got home that night, I just talked to my wife and I said, mm-hmm. "You know what? I think I found a series that you like." So oh. I kind of explained what it was about. So yeah. I am literally watching that movie as soon as we're done recording. There you go. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. I, t- yeah, I did say Tupperware, right? 
Uh, if you didn't, you did now. I did now. Okay, cool. Yeah. Check it out. It's really good. It's very good. Um, did anyone, I know, like, these theater movies right now, I'm not asking anybody to, like, go to the theater, but did anybody get a chance to see, uh, Jake, I know you didn't get a chance to see it, but did anyone go see Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain in the theaters? I did. Now? You did? I saw it. Yeah. Uh, the film follows the life and career of Anthony Bourdain, who died by suicide on June 8th, 2018, at the age of 61, uh, while on location in France for his CNN show, Parts Unknown. Uh, the documentary features interviews with David Chang and Eric Rippert, as well as members of the production crew from Parts Unknown. Uh, Dan, it started off with... Um, um, did you get the trailer for Blue Bayou, by the way? Yes, that looks good, man. Holy fuck, does that not look good? Um, dude, dude, that looks so fucking good, don't it? Yeah, I was like, okay, this one's an insta watch. Like, I, I yeah, very, very impressive trailer, dude. I'm in the I'm in the back of the theater, so I didn't feel bad about pulling up my phone and checking out. Like, what's the release date on this one? It was like September or something, but it, it's uh, about a. Uh, um, a guy who was born in uh, South Korea, lived there for three months and then brought over to America and then gets in trouble with the law over here at the age of like 33 or some shit. And then and then they're like they're threatening to deport this guy. He fucking doesn't speak Korean. They're, they're threatening to send him back to South Korea. He's lived here for fucking 33 years. He's got a wife and a kid. Fully Americanized. Fully Americanized. And I'm just like, holy fucking shit. Cannot wait to see Blue Bayou. This movie looks fucking insane. And the main actor in it, I guess, is like the director and the writer of the movie, Dan. So, yeah, Blue Bayou Mm -hmm. looks fucking great. It looks like it's going to be a fucking tearjerker, too. Yeah. It really does. But it's not like a sad movie. It's just um, just a really fucked up situation. And I don't know, man. I don't know what it is about that trailer, dude, but I think we're going to like that movie more than we're talking about now, and I have a feeling it might be a contender. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, Yeah, I think it might be a contender this year. I agree. I, I think it's going to be like a uh, – if it's not like in my area, I'm going to be making a drive to go see this movie. It looks really good. Yeah, same. Uh, but let's talk about uh, Roadrunner and um, – Holy shit. Dan, did you watch a lot of Anthony Bourdain when he was on TV? No, I didn't. My wife watched a lot of it. And, you know, he's always he was always around and in everything. So I'm very familiar with him. I just yeah. didn't watch everything that he was in, um, particularly the CNN show. But I see him on Netflix and what whatnot. And uh, but now I really want to go back because it's like I didn't know this person. And mm-hmm. it's such a, a such a sad tale. Like the whole thing is just this very sad story but you know not without its ups and with its uh, highlights but uh yeah man i think after seeing like just i don't know how far you want to go into this you know what i'm saying but like after seeing him going into this kind of reluctant kind of an introvert and mm-hmm. with those two people i forget their names that uh started the whole thing yeah yeah and you know and they're they're having trouble finding their way with him because you know they're they're figuring the show out from the ground up it's like a grassroots thing and they're just out there two people and him and they're just filming and you know to see him kind of go from the awkward introvert that uh, wasn't really giving them the information that they wanted or doing exactly what they needed him to do to completely flipping his whole way of life and his beliefs and just wanting because he had a very addictive personality he i don't know if people are, uh, are aware but he was like a former junkie and um yeah heroin i think yeah and i think uh, i'm not sure if it was alcoholism too no i don't think it was alcoholism but anyway 
you know, he he did that. He like actually <laughs> I don't know of anyone that's done this, man, but he like cut heroin cold turkey. And that's insane. But being I bring up the junkie part because Anthony Bourdain had like an incredibly addictive personality. So whatever he would go into, he would just go into it so hard. So it was yeah. really, really cool to see him like exploring this new this newfound love that he has of travel and like really, really getting into it. And and I think that's why his show did so well is because of his addictive personality and always wanting to chase that dragon even more. You know? And the fact that like he was like he was us when he was, when we would go to these places. He was, but he was. He, Here's the thing. It's like you have a tour guide and they take you to these places and they know everything about it. They'll tell you everything about it. Like, like this is, you know, here we are. We're here at this place and you can do this. You can do that. They have this. Like, no, he, he, he went about it from like, I've never been here before. Like, and I'm experiencing this. And not only am I experiencing this, but I'm also going to talk to the people that live here. I'm going to talk to them about like what it's like to live here. I'm going to get to know these people. And then, he lets the experience affect him and he tells you about like how it's affecting him. So it's like, he's like, he's changing too. And as you're like, it's, it's not like watching fucking like the travel channel where they're just like, Oh, we're going to go to this place and here's this beach and it's fucking beautiful. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's a guy that's fucking going to a place and the people are changing him. And he's, he's a very real person at that. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's not putting on, that's what I took away from this, having the unfamiliar, excuse me, unfamiliarity with the show is that you're absolutely right. He didn't take this as a, as a, like a host gig. Right. He is fully experiencing this. And, and every aspect of that trip is what he's taking in. And it's, it's an amazing journey to watch him just become this different person and, and try all these new things. I mean, like eating cobra hearts and shit like that. A beating cobra heart that he feels. A beating cobra heart that's beating as it's going down his throat. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, man, it, it was a, it was a very. I could talk about this movie for a while, so I don't know how far you want to go into it. I could I too. Was, I could too. I, I mean, this is one of those things. Like Dan, we could do a whole fucking Patreon and a uh, uh, Patreon episode. Absolutely, I could see. I could hear you and Steve doing a Patreon episode on Heroes of Noise of Roadrunner. I mean, this is one of those. This really hit me um, uh, because of the whole the the suicide. Yeah. Um. And I, I know people have like listened to me talk about this before and some people are just rolling their eyes. Here's Brian talking about like his suicide experience. But like for me, it was, it was a super, it really reminded me of the, the time that I, I tried to take my own life. I was 21 years old and it was, uh, June 3rd, 1999. And, um, I slipped my wrist and I was, that was it. I was ready to go. And, um, um, I didn't, I get, apparently I got lucky and I didn't cut deep enough. I went to the, I went to the emergency room and, um, I had five staples put in my wrist and, um, my sister got married two days later. And it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, listening to David Chang talking about how, you know, like how he's mad mm -hmm. at Anthony Bourdain for, um, trying to take his own life, um, who, who, excuse me, taking his own life and like, and like, you know, taking his friend away from him. And then it made me think of like how I attempted to kill myself two days before my sister's wedding and imagining like how that would have rippled and how that would have affected, uh, affected my family, um, two days before my sister got wedding, uh, married. And like, I, 
I look at those pictures of like my sister's wedding and I'm, I'm wearing a suit jacket and I, I look at those pictures and I know that like underneath all that, I've got a, right. a wrapped bandage and, and I told nobody in my family about this until years later. I didn't want to take any attention away from my family. Um, while my sister was getting married, it was not like one of those things where I called my parents from, you know, the hospital and I said, Oh, you know, the blah, 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 whatever. They didn't hear about this until I'd say my mom didn't hear about this until maybe 15 years later. And, um, and it, and it, you know, the situation that, that I did it was not the reason why I tried to take my own life. And I learned that about this as well. Like the situation where he took his own life, it happened after, you know, he found out some information about like the woman he was married to was seeing somebody else. I don't feel like that's the reason he took his life. And that's not the reason why I tried to take my life. Something kind of similar happened to me, but I had always been kind of like kind of flirting with the idea of doing it. And, and, it, and, and, um, and it just got, it just got to the point where like, this was the, this is the one thing that's going to push me over to the edge. It's not like, it's not like this is the thing that's going to make me do it. But there was one thing that kind of like pushed me over the edge to do it. And I worry about like, and now it's like, when I, when I talk about this and when I talk about like my attempt at suicide, it's there, I know there, this, I can't, when I watch this movie, and I'm thinking to myself, this is a guy who like restarted his life at 43 and had the whole world thrown at him. He had fame and fortune and everything thrown at him at 43 years old, which is the age I'm at now. And he had everything that anybody could have ever wanted at the age of 43, fame, fortune, everything. And this guy's not happy and takes his life at 61. Yeah. What hope is there for me? And I think that it's, I think that it, the answer is in everything that happens after we find out about like why he, you know, when he takes his life, when we hear the interviews from David Chang and Eric Rupert and all these people that say that they miss this guy, that's where, where all the listeners out there, and I know that there's people listening to this podcast that have contemplated suicide, that are depressed, that feel like they're stuck in a place and that nobody cares. And that's not true. That's that, and and in the documentary they say that there's always, if you can just make it through that day, there's always another day, and I'm telling you, like things will get better, things will get better, and I, I'm not saying that like since like I tr attempted to take my life that everything's been fucking peaches and cream since then, and I've never thought about it thought about suicide again. That's not it, but I mean, I'm I'm here, I'm lucky that I'm here. I took on June 3rd, 1999, I took a turkey, a carving knife and I slit my wrist and I could, I get blood was pouring out of my arm and I could see my veins. I literally saw my veins and I could have died that night if I would have cut a little bit deeper and a little bit lower. And I have a scar on my wrist for the rest of my life that I can look at. And I would never have met my nephew. I never would have met my niece. I never would have started this podcast. I never would have fucking met a lot of people in the leftover army that have fucking made such a huge positive impact on my life had I done that. And I think this documentary, if you, if, if you watch it, don't get caught up. There's, there's nothing glamorous about suicide and there's nothing. There's just a bunch of people that are left wondering why and they miss you and they love you. 
And um, I'm sorry if I went off. I no, no, man, don't be sorry. No, yeah, don't be sorry at all. You, when we were hanging out at C2E2, you actually told me that story uh, in detail. I mean, we had alcohol flowing, so you went into detail in that story. And uh, I commend you for constantly bringing it up, and con- not constantly, but what I'm saying is repeatedly bringing it up on your show. <laughs> Incessantly because, bringing it up. No, man, seriously. Like, I want to be serious about this for a second because I think yeah. people out there, there's someone listening right now that is contemplating. I know, Guaranteed. and I don't want them to. No, and I think I'm really glad that you brought that up about this movie is because you do see, like, there's Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age. There's David Chang. There's mm-hmm. David Cho, who affected me the most, by the way, mm-hmm. in this movie. Um and you see that they just loved this person because of who he was. You know, even though I don't know if Bourdain hated himself or what it was exactly, because, I mean, they really do go down. A, a, they, they break down his um, his life really well. And they give you all these different perspectives from people that are kind of like, you know, they know him. And you, you sort of put the puzzle together as you're watching this thing. But no one really knows what's going on on the inside. You know, I mean, look mm-hmm. at Robin Williams, man. One of the funniest motherfuckers out there. And he was just gone now. Yeah. You know, and so I think people need to see this. Um, everyone needs to see this one. I really do. But the, the last few minutes of this, you see what happens when there's a void. And this person who was such a big presence and, and so important to so many people is just no longer there. They were mad at him. There's, uh, you know, not to go off the subject, but there, there's a part where. I don't know. I, I guess I'll just say things kind of got a little Yoko Ono for a while. It did. It just yeah. completely flipped yeah. him the way that he thought, the way that he treated people. Um, again, addictive personality. And I truly believe that he was addicted, addicted to her. You know what I mean? I do. I, I think he put, I think he put, um, all of his, like all the, all the energy that he put into the book, all the, that, that gave him the stardom, all the energy that he put into then jujitsu, yeah. Then he took all that energy after the failure of like his marriage and him feeling that he's a failure as a father. He took that and he put into this relationship with this younger woman. And after that, he felt like that failed. Like that was like the catalyst that drove him. But I think it was all underlying. It was all there. It wasn't her. No, that no. it, it was everyone has that proverbial straw. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and that's I think that's exactly what it was. But you know, um, kind of just to echo back on what I'm saying, I think it's really important that people watch this because you do see that loss. You do see, like Brian said, that, that you know, there's there's always a tomorrow, and 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 people care about you, you know. And mm-hmm. I tend to get I've lost several people in my life, friends and stuff like that, to suicide. So I take it very seriously, and you know, I just think that this movie had a way to like okay i'll be honest with you i was in fucking tears yeah, me when too. david when david Cho is talking yep and he just breaks down i fuck i knew my wife was crying already but like she cries at everything but i was straight up wiping tears from my face because it was so i don't want to say personal but in a way it kind of was you know what i mean because i've lost people before and if if there's anything that you take away from this movie outside of just an incredible story an incredible man who had demons it's that you know there's always someone there's always someone that you may not even be thinking about right now but someone cares about you you've you have left an impact on them it's very important so people seriously watch this movie uh it's to me it's like it's so fucking high of a tupperware i mm-hmm. might actually eat that shit a few days later after i shouldn't it's so so good it's incredible and if you're thinking about like if you've had uh, suicidal thoughts talk to someone um talk to someone please talk to someone talk to someone that that you 
talk to someone, talk to anyone, send me an email, uh, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at popcultureleftovers.com. I'll talk to you. I don't care. I will talk to anyone. I just, it, people do not, God, don't do it. Don't, don't, don't do it. There's, uh, there's, there's something, there's something for you and it gets better. It gets better. And, um, it's scary, man. Like, I, I don't know. Like I, that night when I go back and I think about how fucked up and how I felt that night, it's just, uh, it's night and day from like some of the days that I've had since I've, I've had my bad days, but man, I mean, it's night and day. It's night and fucking day. Um, you just gotta, you gotta talk and you gotta get those feelings out there. And, you know, I was kind of, I was kind of blown away that he was fucking sober when he did it too. I was drunk when I did yeah. it. I was drunk when I, when I, when I did it, I was drunk. I don't know if I would have been able to do it sober, but you know, it's like, he, I think he was just contemplating it for so long. And mm-hmm. they show this particular scene or a montage, if you will, where he's just, he's like on a boat. He's yeah. like looking at them. I think it's called the mast or something like that. He's like, yeah, that would hold me. You know, I could, I could totally kill myself. I can hang myself. When you're making jokes like that, when you're making yes. dark jokes like that, and I've done it before, man, I've done it before. And I, I like when I've done it to my sister on the phone. And it scares the shit out of her. I've made my sister cry over the phone by making jokes like that. And, um, it's, it's a, just her way of, it's a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, dude, I, I just have a feeling that somebody listening right now is going through something. And I'm letting you know that we're all go, we all go through it. I mean, there's a lot. I, I don't think that this is just a thing. I think there's a lot of people that go through life that have, a, you know, that that do that, in, that maybe they don't feel like this. But I think there's, I think there's a lot of people that are going through this that don't even say it. Like you would never guess that they're going through shit. And if yeah. you're, and if you're going through something, don't just check out. Don't just check out. Talk to somebody. Talk to somebody. It gets better, man. I know, man. It. it Sometimes this shit sucks and it just seems like it's an easy way out. Like who's going to care? Like it's like it's like if you if you ended it, like it it's over. You don't have to worry about the next day. You don't have to worry about feeling this with this way anymore cuz it's over. Yeah. You know, and I personally have never had an, a suicide attempt or anything like that, but we were having a conversation in a joking fashion um before we started recording and I kind of gave you some information that I was kind of going through something. And um I can honestly say that at that particular time, I had involved a therapist. I actually got on the phone and called a therapist. And I can tell you that at that particular time that I called and spoke and broke down to this person, I truly didn't feel like there was any options. Like, not options as in I'm going to take my life. But, like, it was just everything's shitty right now, and I don't see it getting any better. And I think that the mind is just a – it's a, it's um as amazing as it is, it's horrific too because it can lock you into these thoughts. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it just takes another voice to kind of give you a different perspective. And that's exactly what happened in my case. Again, this was not a suicide related thing. It was just, I felt that there was something going on with me that I just didn't really know how to fix. I felt broken. And, uh, so, you know, just, just in, you know, thinking about how I felt, I can only imagine how it is with someone that's contemplating taking their own life. And, mm-hmm. uh, Again, Brian, you know, not to like kiss your ass or anything like that, but I totally commend you for doing this and uh, constant. I guess he keeps, he keeps saying constantly, but I mean that in a, in a positive way. You know, repeatedly bringing the story up because someone out there hasn't heard it. 
and someone might need it. Someone might need it. I mean, it, for me, it wasn't like, it was like, oh, this one thing happened and I'm going to take my life. It was years of this. It was like, I had a, when I was 12 years old, I used to, I had a suicide journal that I would talk about like how I'm going to kill myself. I, when I was 16, I was fucking looking for places in the house where I wanted my parents to find me dead. Like that's how fucked up I was at the time. Like, I didn't think that my mom and dad loved me. And it was like, the only way that I'm going to fucking, um, have anybody care about me is if they find me fucking dead. Maybe then my mom will fucking love me. And so I used to like, oh, maybe when they come home and they see me dead on the stairs, maybe, maybe this is a and good place. See, right? And, and it, dude, it was, it's selfish. It is selfish when you, when you, there's no other way around it. It is a selfish act. When you see, and it's like, if, when you see like the interviews of like all the people that were affected by his death and like how much he meant to them, um, I, I needed, at that point I needed to think about all the other people. I don't need to think about the people that maybe I'm not living up to their expectations. I need to think about the people that do love me for who I am. Absolutely. And I found another family like doing like this podcast and the leftover army. I found, I found like another family with like Jake. I love you to death, dude. And I, and I found another family with like all the people that, uh, like Joe Stark and, and Neil and Rebecca and, and, and you, Steve and you, Dan and like everybody that I've come across like doing this show. And like, like that's, that's real, man. That's real. Um, and so, yeah, um, things can get better. Things can get better. If your situation sucks, try to find a, try to find something, try to find a lifeline. Cause there's always a lifeline. There's always a lifeline. Um, because I remember <laughs> it's one of the scariest moments when I was, uh, in the hospital and, um, and he's getting ready to put the staples on me. Dude, all this fucking blood started pouring out of my wrist, and I'm thinking like, oh my god, he fucking, he fucking cut something, I'm gonna fucking die. And all this, and I said, is this normal? And I was kinda pissed off at him when he said this, but the guy that was doing the staples said, no, it's not normal to have a fucking slit in your wrist. I was like, you, you, you sarcastic motherfucker. But, um, yeah. Yeah. But see, like when you thought that, right? When you saw that that wrist open up and all that blood going, you had a different thought that time, didn't you? It was yeah. like, hey, hold on. I didn't want to die. Don't die. <laughs> I don't want to die. Like I'm like like this is yeah, I was like I don't want to die. Dude, I it was dude, that was a fucked up night. That was a fucked up night. I actually I repped <laughs> You, I have a, I have a twisted sense of humor, and I actually I, I hate I know where you're going, and I, I hate that I laugh at this, but go for it. I wrapped I, I wrapped um, my wrist with like some bandages before I went to the hospital, and the people that drove me, um, I was doing a hand puppet, and I was like, oh man, I cut my neck shaving, <laughs> <laughs> and I had people laughing. Literally moments after an attempted suicide, and that was <laughs> i I don't know, I love to make people laugh, so yeah, even in the darkest of times, I guess Jake, I can try to find something funny, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's good though, I mean, mm. you know, 
you got to keep that positivity anywhere you can. And I, I, Brian needs it. Like, if you don't think you have anyone that you can reach out to, I, I know Brian's already helped people in the past that have emailed him about stuff like this. Uh, take him up on that offer. If yeah. you've got no one else, I, I know Brian is completely genuine, and he will talk to you. Absolutely. I'll second that. Um, hey, one thing, though. What did you think about the AI that utilized it? Dude, did yeah. Yeah, there was the um, uh, AV Club had an article, and they said uh, Roadrunner, and they're talking about the director here, Morgan Neville, uh, features narration by the chef and no reservations host. While most of the audio was recorded by the actual Bourdain, Neville took on the ethically questionable approach of using stitched-together clips taken from TV, radio, podcasts, and audiobooks to create an AI model of Bourdain's voice to recite emails and text. Quote, if you watch the film, other than Bourdain reciting an email he sent to his friend David Cho, you probably don't know what the other lines are that were spoken by the AI, and you're not going to know, said Neville to the New Yorker's Helen Rosner in an interview published on Thursday. Quote, we have a documentary ethics panel about it later. Neville also told GQ that he checked with his widow and his literary executor just to make sure people were cool with that. And they were like, Tony would have been cool with that. But turns out... Octavia Bourdain, the widow in question, was definitely not. On Friday morning, she tweeted, I certainly was not the one who said Tony would have been cool with that. Neville has given a follow-up statement to Variety, though it doesn't address why people might feel uncomfortable with the director using an AI to essentially deep fake Bourdain's voice. Quote, there were a few sentences that Tony wrote that he never spoke aloud, Neville says. With the blessings of his estate and literary agent, we used AI technology. It was mod- it was a modern storytelling technique that I used in a few places where I thought it was important to make Tony's words come alive. And uh, yeah, Dan, what? Okay, like I guess Lucasfilm had uh, the I guess written or expressed consent from the family when they brought back what was the character they brought back jake I'm, i've been drinking moff tarkin moff tarkin so like that was the family gave the approval there but this sounds like nobody signed off on this and so it was basically this director taking liberties and doing it i think i'm gonna say it's insensitive um dan what are your thoughts no i agree i think so i and and it doesn't help when he's like, we'll have an ethics, whatever he said, we'll have an ethics meeting about it later. That just says, fuck you, I'm going to do it anyway. Right. And, you know, I was thinking that it was only that part where they're reading the email. I didn't realize that it was like throughout the movie. So in one sense, it's pretty well done. You know what I mean? But Dude, I, I, when you were when you were listening to it, though, you were like, when did they get this? Like, I kept thinking to myself, like, how are they? How are they getting some of this stuff? This sounds bizarre. Like, how did. Yeah. How did how did he record this for this movie? It, it I was kind of taken aback with that, and then I, I when I read later that it was like this, you know, artificial intelligence deep fake that they're using. I was it made more sense, but uh, I, I I'm not going to say it takes away from like how powerful the movie is, but like on the flip side, I think it I think it's disrespectful to the the sure. one the people that love this this guy. Yeah, if I had one knock against this movie, it's going to be that. Because personally, yeah. I think I think it would have been a little more emotional for, like, say, David Cho to be reading that himself. Not that I want to see the dude cry. Yes. It's just for the sake of my entertainment. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But like, yeah. I just think it would have been more moving that way because, again, there's a void. 
and he's he's reading this person's words that are no longer there. I think that would have been more powerful. I agree so, with you. Kind of, yeah, a little bit tasteless, but it does not take away from this incredible movie. And again, I can't stress it enough. Go see this movie; it's fantastic. So, Octavia Bourdain, who is the second wife of uh, of Anthony Bourdain, said that she was not cool with this. That she, she, you know, she did not approve of this. One of the one of the comments that I read on this AV um, Club. Uh, dot com article came from Hawkboy and it reads not sure why she's changing her mind I'm told Morgan Neville has an audio recording of Octavia giving express permission to use the AI to recreate his voice allow me to play it for you yes you can use his voice audible clicking sounds between each word basically saying that he used her express permission from AI that he created as well and I thought that that was pretty funny from hot boy so yeah proves yeah. a good point yeah yeah so yeah um all right let's move on let's move on to something lighter a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> steve are you okay are you all right dude i am okay i no i was actually i love what you just said i'll just i'll just i'll say that i love <laughs> what you just said the end that's all all right oh man oh jesus all right i watched uh who got a chance to watch uh on netflix it just dropped on wednesday uh gunpowder milkshake i did i did i did i did what was your favorite dance of the 90s to do was it the the cabbage patch or the gunpowder milkshake Was at all the weddings back in the day. It was, <laughs> it was hot, wasn't it? Um, Sam was only 12 years old when her mother Scarlet, an elite assassin, was forced to abandon her. Sam was raised by the firm, the ruthless crime syndicate her mother worked for. Now, 15 years later, Sam has followed her mother footsteps and grown into a fierce hit woman but when a high-risk job goes wrong sam must choose between serving the firm and protecting the life of an innocent eight-year-old girl emily with a target on her back sam has only one chance to survive reunite her mother and her lethal associates the librarians these three generations of women must now learn to trust each other stand up to the firm and their army of henchmen and raise hell against those who could take everything from them instructed by Navot. Papashado with a script uh, co-written by Ehud Lapsky and Papashado. Uh Navat Papashado, this is like the first uh I think this is the first film I've ever seen by this director. It's an Israeli director. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything by this uh director before. Uh we've got a cast here of uh Karen Gillan as Sam, uh Freya Allen as young Sam. Uh, I remember seeing her, the young girl, she was in the uh Dave Batista movie recently, Jake. I can't remember the name of that movie, but she played the the young girl in that movie. Stuber? No, Stuber was with Kumail Nanjiani. This is the movie that came out after Stuber. Okay, I, I don't Who, remember that either. He used to be Kumail Nanjiani. He is not Kumail Nanjiani anymore. What is he? What is he now? He is some different form of steroided out guy that I've never seen. Oh, I thought you meant his name had changed. <laughs> no, he has changed. It is incredible. But anyway, I know exactly what movie you're talking about, too. It's like some sort of FBI thing where he, in, 
he's like uh, getting trained by him or something. I forgot that movie, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I enjoyed My it. Spy. It's called My Spy. My Spy. Thank you. Good movie. Yeah. Uh, we got Lena Headey here as uh, the mother, uh, Car- uh, Carla uh, Gugino, uh, Angela Bassett, Michelle Yeoh, um, uh, Paul Giamatti is in this movie as well. He plays Nathan, the head of the firm. Um, you know who you know you, you know who I'd like to meet in real life, Jake. Who that? The woman that like uh, that doesn't like you know meet Paul Giamatti and uh, fall in love with him, like get to know him and fall in love. I just want to meet the woman that just like fucking just she just she sees Paul Giamatti and she just wants to fuck him. <laughs> I want to meet the woman that just fucking like. Just fucking like it's carnal, dude. Like she just like uh, like out of nowhere. Like you hear of love at first sight. I want to hear. I want to hear the story of like lust at first sight. With just I want to meet the woman that sees Paul Giamatti and just wants to fucking rip his fucking pants off and ride that fucking baloney pony that he's rocking. I'm not going to join that train with you. (laughs) (laughs) Does that does that woman frighten you, Jake? No, no, I, I, I'm supportive of their love, but I, I don't need to witness or see it. No, I'm not saying I want to see it. I don't, like, that can, that shit can go on behind closed doors, Jake. I want to meet the woman that just wants to fuck the shit out of Paul Giamatti. <laughs> like, it's not about, like, her getting, like, not, it's not like a Harry, when Harry met Sally kind of thing. Where, like, she, you know, she meets the guy, and he's fucking, like, he's rude and he's crude, and it takes fucking, like, you know, uh, two decades for them to fuck each other. I want to meet the woman that just sees Paul Giamatti in a grocery store and wants to fucking, like, slap the fucking uh, grapes out of his fucking hand and fucking write him right there in the produce aisle. So you can feel her heart beat in her pants every time she sees Paul? Yes. Ex- that's the one. I just want to meet the woman that just wants to fuck Paul Giamatti. She just sees that guy and she just gets a female fucking heart on for that guy. Her fucking clit is just like, oh, my God. Give me some of that Paul Giamatti cock. I don't care if he's got rocking micro penis down there. I just got to have him. I just got to have some Paul Giamatti. <laughs> that's the one. I, I want to meet her, too. I gotta meet that woman. Who's that woman? And I'm not saying that Paul Giamatti is an unattractive man. That is not what I'm saying here. Like, oh, who would want to fuck Paul Giamatti? I just, because we always hear about the women that, oh, Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth. Oh my God. They're just like, I want to meet the woman that just wants to fuck Paul Giamatti. <laughs> the Giamatti stands. Where are they? Yeah. Where are the Giamatti stands? Where are the, where are the women that want to fuck Paul Giamatti? Write in the comments. <laughs> Send us an email. <laughs> if, hey, if you're contemplating suicide or if you want to fuck Paul Giamatti, send me an email. <laughs> anyway. Can't wait to read emails next week. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> uh, Gunpowder milkshake. I, I, I'm gonna. Here's the thing. I'm gonna. You know. I, I'm. Fuck it. I'm gonna give my rating and talk about this one. Um, you've got. Y- yeah. The movie starts off and and uh, you, you, you've got uh, Karen Gillan and uh, you know she finds herself in this situation where she has to kill a bunch of these guys and blah 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 blah. And then we flash back to the past when she's a young girl 
and we get to see like her mother in like this elite assassin position and her mother leaves her and she hasn't been with her mother in 15 years. Now Sam has followed in her mother's footsteps and she's like this, you know, assassin and, um, and, and it's kind of like this, this movie kind of reminded me of like a blend of like a bunch of different things. It reminded me, Jake, of like, you know, like when it went slow motion, it reminded me of like the stylized Matthew Vaughn Kingsman movie. Um, mm-hmm. it reminded me with like the librarians that have like the guns in the library of a, like, like a John Wick in the hotel and the assassins that we meet in the John Wick movies. And, um, I guess a little bit of like, uh, at the beginning, it kind of reminded me of like Sin City, but colorized. Um, I like Bill in there. A, li- a little bit of Kill Bill, yeah. I liked this movie. I didn't love it, but I liked it enough to give it a taste. It and I liked it enough at the end of it to where if it came out with a sequel, I would one hundred percent watch the sequel. This is like not a high taste it, but it's the highest of taste its. Before I get to a high taste it, because I thought it was super fun. I, and it never like really bored me, but I felt like the main villain in this was a certain character that really didn't get to shine as the main villain and the main villain that they kind of presented to us kind of fucking sucked. So I think like it, <laughs> it kind of presents itself better as like maybe the next movie if it gets a sequel would be, I don't know, maybe even better than this one because we've already been kind of like established ourselves in this world and maybe the next movie would be better than this one. But I, I like this movie enough to not absolutely toss it. And I, so it's just, a, it's the solidest of taste. It's for me. What did, Steve, what did you think about Gunpowder Milkshake? I will say it had both gunpowder Tupperware. Steve, would you say your milkshake brings all the gunpowder to the yard? And they're like, it's better than yes, absolutely. (laughs) I would say, you know, this is the most confusing review of the evening for me because, like, there are parts of this movie where I'm like, do I like this movie? I don't. Like, I'd be watching it, and things were happening. But I'm like, but am I in, in the beginning? I was out. In the beginning, I was like, this is just, I don't know if I like this movie at all. Then things started happening. I'm like, maybe I do like this movie. Then later on, you're like, I don't know if I even like this movie. It just kept on going up and down. And by the end, I was like, okay, I will say I would much rather see a movie about the three older librarians. Or yep. the four older. I, I was like, I want a movie of them. Can get, I, I mean, not. I'm saying anything bad about, you know, Gillen, but I just wasn't, I think, like, there's a, there's a, an action scene in the bowling alley that just didn't go well for me at all. Oh, God. Kind of, it was, like, you could even see those things being kind of pulled, not hit as hard. Dude, you are preaching to the choir right now, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That, that action scene was, Rough. That was. And so I was like, I would give it the low taste. Like, if someone said, hey, is it a bad movie? No. But you're going to watch the movie and want to see a different movie in the middle of this movie. I'm like, keep it on those those older life. Like, keep it on them. I want to know what's going on with them because they were the stars of this movie. 
And so with um, the young girl, she's fantastic. Oh, she is so fucking good, isn't oh, she? Dude, she is a star. I was like, I want that. I, I, and I just, I don't want to seem like I'm crapping on Ken. No, 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 no. Yeah. She I, just didn't hold my attention at all. Karen Gillan, Karen, dude, me and you, I, I think we're like, I, I, I totally understand that. I, for me, Karen Gillan is very hit and miss. I, I did not like her as Amy Pond in Doctor Who. I honestly wasn't the biggest fan of her as Nebula in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Now, once we get to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, once we get to Endgame, I love her as that character, and I absolutely loved Karen Gillan in the um oh god the fucking uh jumanji. jumanji i loved her in jumanji oh she was good yes that I, was probably her i'm gonna make everyone <laughs> but i just think anyone could have played nebula there's not anything to do mm, i disagree could, with that i don't think i think a lot of people could play it. there's nothing was like oh my goodness she's the only one that could have done that I think I think she I will say she redeemed herself very much so in the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie. In the first one, she really was kind of like one note for me, and I think by the second movie she really did put on a good performance. And then watching her interact with Tony Stark in Endgame, I thought she elevated the performance of the character there. Um but yeah, I mean, I'm very hit and miss with Karen Gillan, so I'm not going to argue with you too much, Steve. Yeah, she's. But again, it's this movie. I'm not sure what the director. It's tough because it's almost like, hey guys, come see my, you know, my concert at the Starbucks, and then as I'm doing my concert, Stevie Wonder shows up, and then he leaves, and I'm like, anyway, let me finish this concert. They're like, no, 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 go back to the Stevie Wonder part. That's what the director did here. There's like a part of this movie in the beginning where you're like, oh, this is fine. Then these superstars come in. And this is like, oh, I want to see them. And then it's like, no, the movie's not about them. So yes. you you were you were bigger. I don't know if you, got the memo. you loved, and I'll be honest with you, I loved. I thought Carla Gugino was fantastic in this. I loved. I thought Angela Bassett's character was great. I I wanted. I love Michelle Yeoh, and I, w I would love to see more of her character in this, but I didn't really get a feel for her character yeah, in this. Reserve. And I feel like that was kind of like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna blame the writers and the director on that one, because I think Michelle Yeoh is fantastic. Yes. But, um, Jake, I'm really interested to hear what you thought about this, because I know you're kind of like, probably the biggest Karen Gillan fan on this, and I know you haven't seen her in Doctor Who. She's my least favorite companion. In Doctor Who, ever. Least favorite. But I don't hate everything she's ever done. And I think she's redeemed herself as Nebula. And I, I loved her. I love the Jumanji movies. I think she's fantastic in those. But what do you think about Gunpowder Milkshake? Yeah, I really, I, I'm right there with you guys. It was a middle of the road taste it for me too. I, I liked a lot of this movie's style that it was presenting. It, ha it had a really snappy soundtrack. Um, and but the story and the the charisma from the actors wasn't really the greatest. I, I do agree with that. And I too on that first bowling alley fight scene was like, oh my god, this is the caliber of fight scenes we're gonna get. 
But then I will say the movie redeemed itself on fight scenes for me with the numb arm action sequence, which I thought was the best part of the Oh my god, I loved it. And the car chase, the car chase with the little girl? Yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah. Those two scenes really redeemed the uh, the bowling alley fight scene. Yeah. yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I would watch a sequel. I'm not clamoring for it by any means. Um, yeah, this was kind of disappointing. I was actually quite excited to see this movie because I'm a really big fan of both the two leads. And I, I thought this was a little bit lackluster to what I was uh, hoping to get. I, if a sequel came out tomorrow, I would watch it. That's all I'm going to say. And, and, and that's weird saying that about just like a middle of the road taste it movie for me. Steve, since you gave it a low taste it, would you watch, would you even be like, you know what? I'm out of this fucking property. I'm out of this franchise. Or would you actually, like, if you, if you're just like, fuck the sequel, I'm not going to be on PCL next week. I ain't watching the goddamn gunpowder milkshake too. <laughs> No, I would say uh, because of uh, Sister Girl, I think she's going to be like the trainee, and they kind of set it up where all of them are together. I'm in because they kind of left you thinking, "Oh, now the crew is the crew." Is okay, there, and I would watch that. Okay, okay. So yeah, it was. I, that's what's weird about this movie is I feel like it leaves you with enough to make you want to watch that sequel for some odd reason for not absolutely loving the movie. And I'm sure there are people that love this movie. You know, there's people that listen to our podcast and enjoy it, Jake. So of course there's people that are going to, there's something for everyone. Um, Dan, what did you think about gunpowder milkshake? I'm really curious. I don't think I'm going to break any new ground. I'm, I'm pretty much in agreement with you. Um, Disappointed in Karen Gillan, though. I just yeah, I liked her as Amy Pond. Actually, that's where I first discovered her. No shit. Yeah, that was the first. I I felt like she was the she was the only companion that needed fucking like that sidekick, like her boyfriend Rory, to make her character more interesting. Well, you know how I mean, we're not going to go on a Doctor Who thing, but you know how like the later seasons, that's kind of the case. Like Rory was much more involved, and I think that's when she kind of started going downhill for me. But yeah. um, there's just something about her playing tough is the way I'm going to put it. It, it seems uh, void. Like she wasn't there emotionally for me when she's trying to be tough. There's a certain thing she did that's very uh, – let's compare it to Nebula the first time we see her. Yeah. That cadence that she has, it's just uh, – it's not very believable. We've already gone over the fight choreography, which was horrendous. And, yes, I'm talking about the bowling alley scene too. It was just pure trash. But – that's not to say that this cast isn't an amazing cast. Yeah. And I think that there's, you know, they have this movie now. They're going to hear these reviews. They're going to see how this movie was, uh, how it did on Netflix and whatnot. And I definitely think we're going to get a sequel. Out. I hope so. This is a perfect opportunity for them to improve on these little flawed, flawed things that, ha- that occurred in this movie and make a way better movie. So, yeah, I would totally watch a sequel. Yeah. Um, what else was I going to say? I, I got to be honest with you. I really like Paul Giamatti. But to me, it seemed like he fucking phoned his performance in. Like, I didn't think there was anything special about that guy. And I he's one of my favorites. When he is good, he's fucking great. Yeah. And I just didn't get anything, anything out of that. It felt like he just needed to put in a new pool or something. So he just took the role, you know. Um, Carla Gugino is great as always. She's and, so yeah, good. But, you know, the librarians are fantastic. I don't even mind that it's borrowing from John Wick very, very heavily because I think that we're getting into territory now with like um, nobody yeah. and this one. We are in a new genre of these like secret society assassins, whatever you want to call them. And that's cool. 
but you got to be careful because you can you can just oversaturate it first of all i would and say like this, the, the music and the slow motion reminded me of like a matthew vaughn kingsman as well i yeah, don't yeah. yeah for sure mm-hmm. yeah. i agree with you yeah i just think that this one kind of towed that line of borrowing a little too much while trying to be its own thing but um in the end, I think we ended up with a perfectly fine movie. I'm going to go ahead and just give it a just a taste. It really, I mean, I, I wasn't that impressed with it, but like we all said, I would totally be down to watch the sequel because I think it's going to be way better. Hmm. Yeah, I'm down for a sequel. Um. Yeah, Karen Gillan. She. I think she needs to get a little bit. Uh, I'm not saying she's soft, but man, I've seen like Betty Gilpin. Yeah, I yeah. Seen, when you're putting over, it gets freaking Betty. Jones. Oh, dude, <laughs> dude. I, yeah. Okay, hold on. I, I started with Betty Gilpin. I just I started with Betty Gilpin, but like, like if you, I can take it to the next level if you want me to. I can say Uma Thurman. I can take it to the very next level and say Sigourney Weaver is Ripley. Like this is like these are what. I honestly feel like some of these, like, that's what you need to strive for. And I don't feel like she really hit that mark. I agree. You know, like, I think she needs to bring a little bit more, excuse me, uh, I guess intensity and just, I guess intensity with this character. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It just felt like she was just, I don't know, like she can't play tough well. There's nobody that can say, get away from her, you bitch, like Sigourney Weaver. Like, 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 that's like, that fucking, that line just like rings through our fucking ears. Like, when she says that, like, that is just like, that's one of those fucking like action, the female action led movies that you're just like, holy shit, this, this, she is a badass. I do not want to fuck with Ripley. And there was never like a moment in this where I was like, oh my God, I, you know, yeah, not even close. She she needs no. She needs to get that edge, man. She needs to get that edge. And I think I think she's she's she can I think I think that Karen Gillan can get there. I just don't think she's quite there yet. I mean, Betty Gilpin in The Hunt, she was badass and so good, dude. So fucking good. I agree. Oh, so freaking good, dude. I know you've already given some names, but just for funsies, yeah. who would you recast? Like it, who would be, who would play her? Who do you think you would want to see? That's like Gwendolyn Christie. That's a big. That's that, really you Gwendolyn always, you're Christie. Always, I'm always after, everything. Everything. Put yeah. Gwendolyn yeah. Christie. She has so much personality. They fucking put her in a stormtrooper costume and didn't even let her speak. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. She would kill this. <laughs> what do you think, Jake? No, I think I think that's terrible casting. Um, but <laughs> um. Who would I put in this role instead of? I don't know. I, it just it just felt like her heart wasn't in this for some reason. I I kind of agree with the. It just I don't know. Like she didn't have that action star grit to her at all. And I I, don't, I was really surprised by that. I thought she would kind of take and command this role. But Jake, yeah, I, let me throw this. And I know maybe this is cliche for me to say this. Charlize Theron. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think that's an obvious choice. What about I, I, Samara Weaving? I, I'm not the biggest fan of her yet, dude. I know everybody yeah. loves her. I'm not the biggest Samara Weaving fan. I'm not super familiar. 
she was, uh, um, oh God, I don't, I'm Ready trying to. Ready or not. Ready or not. I don't think Jake's seen oh, that. Oh yeah, I have seen it. I love that. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm like the one person that's not the biggest Samara Weaving fan, and I think that that's just me. Did she you see Guns Akimbo? She's gonna be the new Scarlet in the, in the, uh, the Snake Eyes movie. Oh, ouch. Oh, nice. Poor girl. <laughs> Jake has no try. Jake has no excitement for the Snake Eyes movie, dude. Oh, I wish I wish it was a fucking Warner Brothers movie so I could watch it at home. <laughs> <laughs> I've never more wanted the movie to be a Warner Brothers movie because I, I have to see this thing so I can properly shit on it. Samara, <laughs> she played one of the the daughters in the new Bill and Ted Face the Music movie as well, which she was also in Guns Akimbo, which I, was really good. I was I liked Guns Akimbo, but I didn't love it. I, Samara Weaving looks like she's like. Always got a sneeze. Her face looks yeah. like she's. <laughs> I totally hilarious. <laughs> she just has that eternal sneeze face. That's really funny. Now, would y'all be anti Mia Jovovich? Dude, you put Mia Jovovich in anything, I'm watching it, dude. I love her. I love her, dude. She's the best. I love her. I don't care what fucking people say about Monster Hunter. Monster Hunter was one of my favorite movies of fucking 2021. I don't give a fuck. I love Monster Hunter. I love Monster Hunter. I, dude, I bought Monster Hunter on fucking 4K Blu-ray. I don't give a shit. I love Mia Jovovich. Those Resident Evil movies are guilty pleasure. Um, I'm just not the biggest fan of the fifth element, but I love Mia Jovovich. Yeah. I love her. I think also Zoe Bell. Who's, who's Zoe Bell? She's like the, she, remember she was a stunt, she was a, uh, Quentin Tarantino put her in, uh, uh-huh. one of, yeah. yeah, you know. Death, death Proof. Yeah, I like her. Zoe Bell. Let me look. I love Death Proof. I saw Death Proof. Oh, dude. You see her. Yeah, I know her. Yeah. Okay. I, I just want someone who can do action. Like, I believe she can fight. Oh, shit. She was a fucking stunt woman, Zoe Bell. Yeah. Yeah. The stu- yeah. I fucking well, yeah. at least used her for the stunts in this. Yeah, ouch. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, I think we, we would be lying to ourselves if we said that the action was... I mean, yes, there were some good scenes, but, like, that that choreography. The choreography, mm. especially in that bowling alley scene. Oh, was, I love the numb arm scene, though. Oh, my gosh. When she was just... The numb was, arm scene was great. The knife and the gun, that that was that was brilliant. That, that was, was really good. Movie. I agree. Yeah, that's true. I did like that, man. And I think it's tough because, I, unfortunately... And I don't even know if they meant to do it, but like you guys said, when you are borrowing from a movie that did it so much better, it's tough, man. Yeah. Like, that's, I don't know if they meant to or what happened there, but automatically, even when they're like, oh, they have the special hotel, the library that I'm like, oh, come on, dude. Yeah, if you're going to do that, you've got to fucking bring it. (laughs) You have exactly. to. Do it. It's just like, what's the point of borrowing from it if you're not going to try to improve on it? Hey, and, it hey, kind of lazy, you know. I don't want the ladies that are listening to think that we're just fucking shitting on Karen Gillan's action because she's a woman. Trust me. When fucking uh, what's his name? Uh, fucking uh, what's his, who plays Hawkeye? Clint Barton. Who plays that motherfucker? Je- uh, Renner. Jeremy mm-hmm. Renner. When he took over fu- fucking uh, Matt Damon in the Bourne series, that motherfucker. He can fuck off. I'm sorry. 
he can was- fuck right off t- trying to take over for Matt Damon in the Bourne series. There's some like, and I love him as I do. I like him as Hawkeye. I like him as Hawkeye enough. But like, I'm not. And this is this is not nothing about like oh shitting on. Uh, we're, not, we're not shitting on Karen Gillan because she's a woman trying to portray an action star. Trust me. There's a ton of motherfucking guys that fucking can't do action. Trust me. It's tough. Yeah, it's hard. It's a difficult. Being an action star is a different, it's a totally different skill set. Yes, it's yes. different. And being an action person, like, again, like you said, Jeremy Renner. And, uh, you know, he's not, when he when he did Born, I was so excited. I shouldn't have been because I had already seen what he's capable of. Right, and, right. Yeah. And I was, I, dude, I think, like, J- Jeremy Renner for me, like, started and kind of stopped with the Hurt Locker. I, I hate to say he, that. Exactly. Exactly. That's really good. That's very. It's very true. Because I. And no, that's not. Oh, I'm not gonna believe it. No, I mean, I, I. I don't hate Jeremy Renner. I think like there's there's things where he's perfectly good. I think like, but the I think the best that Jeremy Renner has ever offered me is the fucking Hurt Locker, man. Like I there's I, I don't think there's a world I could be in where I could not watch the Hurt Locker and be like, oh my God, this is fucking amazing. But I don't think it's ever been any better for Jeremy Renner than the Hurt Locker. That movie's fucking I'll as, phenomenal. I'll go as far to say that if we didn't have Jeremy Renner in as Hawkeye, I'm not watching any Jeremy Renner. <laughs> nah, yeah, it's true. You know, it's Jeremy I mean, Renner. I'm not trying to insult the guy. It's just, Hawkeye. Yeah, right. He just—I yeah. don't know, man. He just doesn't do a thing. He doesn't do a thing for me. I mean, he can. I'm sure. You know, you know who almost fit into that category for me for a long time was uh, Colin Farrell. Because I, I like. Oh, so, yeah. He's gotten way better. No. He's gotten way better. He's improved with age. Like honestly, like I thought, like the first, like the first thing I ever saw Colin Farrell in was—I don't know if you guys have ever seen this movie, but a movie he did back in 2000 called Tigerland. I know of it. I haven't seen it. Tigerland is incredible. And I think, sure it, did. dude, Absolutely. Tigerland is awesome. And then, like, I feel like it was, like, a good 15 to 20 years later before I really appreciated anything else, Colin Farrell. I loved him in The Gentleman that came out. I have a guilty pleasure for Phone Booth from Joel Schumacher. Oh, fucking. That was a good movie. That was fine. <laughs> I enjoyed Phone Booth. I enjoyed Phone Booth as well. Yeah. The last phone booth. <laughs> With that Keeper Sutherland. Keeper Sutherland. Saw. Yeah. Didn't we see him at the very end? Didn't we see him at the very end of that movie, Jake? No. I thought we never saw him. I felt like we saw him at the very end. I could be wrong, though. Yeah. Oh, man. That's a movie I need to revisit. It's been a long time, but I thought we never saw him. Did, did you like, did you like the uh, Chris Evans ripoff Cellular? No, I did not. <laughs> It was, that a, was a Chris Evans fire agent moment. It was Chris Evans and who else is in that one? It was a uh, uh, Kim Basinger. Is it Kim Basinger or Kim Basinger? I think it's Bass. I could be wrong now. The Ace of Basinger. Basinger. Yeah, I think it's Basinger. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Rest. <laughs> hey. I don't think. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Rest in peace, Biz Marquis. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, crazy Jesus, sad news. dude. I was pulling for him, man. I had what? a feeling that, yeah, you know, you know what's going to happen with if you were following all the tweets from his family and just, you know, the people around him. But uh, even when you know it's coming, Ugh. wow, we don't have Bismarcky anymore. I know, man. Ugh. All right, Pete. I could feel my age happening because, like, it's like the, the people I grew up listening to, all 
my life. It's just like they're just going. He's a young. He was a young man, though. He was only like fifty-six, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, could be I don't think he was I, ever truly healthy, though. I, I don't. I think he always had some health problems. It was like oh, uh, yeah. type two, but diabetes or something that he. Yeah, it was. I, he was fifty-six or fifty-eight, right, Jake? Yeah, I think that's right. I love his cover of uh, Benny and the Jets on that Beastie Boys anthology set. If you ever heard that, it's fucking oh, yeah. amazing. Mm. That's sad. I. I. Uh, so sad. Yeah, it's super sad. R.I.P. Bismarcky. Look up Mike D's words on it. Mike D had a really touching tribute that he posted just the other day about it. On Twitter? Uh, I, I think it was just, I don't remember if it was on Twitter or not. If you Google Mike D Bismarcky, it'll, it'll pop right up. I'm pretty sure it's on the Beastie Boys Facebook page, too. Okay, there you yeah. go. All right. Same with Quest Love. Google Quest Love's words. Like, both, everyone's coming out with beautiful words about this. Yeah, Mikey talks a lot about just like when they were young and like how it was like hanging out with them and stuff, and it's really cool. Guys, it's he, it's, used, he used to go to the liquor store and get a bunch of sugar candy, get all sugar candied up, and fucking do all kinds of crazy stuff. It's just it's just gonna get worse as we get older, guys. I'm telling no. you, it's just gonna get worse as we get older. Like, it sucks. There's gonna be day where like you know we lost Alex Trebek. There's gonna be a day where we're like. uh you know, we are gonna we're gonna lose Harrison Ford. I mean, Stallone. Stallone. Oh God, when we lose Stallone. I'm sorry, <laughs> sorry, about dude. That. Oh man, dude, I won't be on the podcast the week we lose Paul Simon. I that's I'm. I'll tell you now, that's a week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> did you watch? The, did you read his book? No, no, I've seen the Graceland doc though. Oh, and, yeah. oh my God, his his book is fantastic, dude. Fantastic. Yeah, it's 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 just uh, guys. Don't, and don't I'm gonna be clocked out for a year when Steve. If Stevie is not eternal, I'm done for the year. <laughs> Nobody makes me like when I hear a Stevie Wonder song. It's like I just I feel good. Yes, I just yeah. it makes me feel good, and I like music. That's as when I was younger and I had like all this teenage angst. I was listening to a lot of like. You know, Nine Inch Nails. I was listening to, you know, uh, Typo Negative, Pain, Pantera, um, a lot of stuff. And now that I've gotten older, it's just like, man, I don't want to, dude, I can't fill my head with that shit. I can't handle that. You know, I gotta, I'm listening to like a lot of stuff that just like makes me feel good. You know, Earth, Wind, and Fire, man. I'm just like listening yes. to stuff that makes me feel good. I don't want to be, and I don't want to be in a shitty mood. Like, I don't want to embrace like these bad feelings and shit. And Stevie's no. music, man, just it just puts me in a good place. You know, um, uh, Hall, um, Hall and Oates is another one. Come that, on, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Couple of kings right there, man. It's, yeah, it's, it's just like, I need that music that just makes me, that makes me, I, dude, I've got a lot of, dude, I'm 40 fucking three. And Jake, you hear me go off on this podcast and get pissed off about shit. I need something to balance me out. And I need, yeah, the last thing you need is to go into the downward spiral after that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah. Yeah. Oh. It starts off with a song called Mr. Self Destruct. Probably not the best idea. Oh God. That's a goddamn. <laughs> It's a goddamn good song, though, Dan. It's a really good fucking song. It's a great album. (laughs) Let's take a break. Let's take a break, guys. We got a little bit more to go through with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Um, Yeah, just a few more. Fucking Christ. We got, like, four more things. We Yeah. All right. Let's break it up. We'll be right back. We got more Good Pop, Bad Pop. We'll be right back, you sons of fucks. 
Well, let me tell you something, brother. You should head over to popcultureleftovers.com and use the Amazon shopping link for all your shopping needs. Ooh, yeah. The cream of the crop always rise to the top, dig it? Speaking of cream, you can probably buy it on Amazon. Not 100% sure. Yeah, to all my little Hulkamaniacs, say your prayers, take your vitamins, and you will never go wrong, brother. And listen, dude, you can buy those vitamins through the Amazon shopping link on popcultureleftovers.com. Ooh, yeah. I just bought a neon orange cowboy hat and a curtain of Slim Jims. Snap into a Slim Jim. Head on over to popcultureleftovers.com now and use the link. Because what you going to do, brother? When Pop Culture Leftovers runs wild on you. All right. Hey, we are back. Uh, I want to dive into this new series that dropped on Peacock, uh, Dr. Death. I've watched the first two episodes. I'm curious to find out how many episodes you guys watched on this one. It's about an arrogant, sinister doctor treats his Hippocratic Oath uh, about the same way he treats his patients as his malignant narcissism and sociopathy uh, escalates. His fellow surgeons and a young assistant district attorney set out to stop him. Uh, it's a crime drama series directed by Patrick McManus, which is based on the podcast of the same name. This is actually based on a true story. It stars Joshua Jackson, uh, Grace Summer, Christian Slater, Alec Baldwin, Anna Sophia Robb. And uh, I actually found out about this series months ago. Basil Terabishi, who's a listener of our podcast, said that they're going to film this series in his hospital. And I was just like, holy shit, I, I hadn't heard about this. He said Christian Slater and Alec Baldwin are going to be, you know, uh, learning from some of the doctors and, and, and filming some of this um series in, in, you know, Basil lives in Dallas and some of this is set in Dallas and, and Basil told me about this series coming out and, uh, Christian Slater and Alec Baldwin being involved. And I was like, holy shit, I got to watch this. So I, I watched the first two episodes and, um, I'm going to tell you, like, it's a super uncomfortable show knowing that this is based on a true story that you have people that are suffering from these ailments that make them hurt. You know, they've got, you know, bad backs and problems with lumbar issues and stuff like that. And like, they're going into this doctor to, you know, just have him ease their pain, go through these surgeries and like ease their pain. And this guy for, for some unexplained reason, and hopefully the series will dive into more of his psyche, which they have been doing in the first two episodes, have shown this guy basically cutting arteries um, and just doing like a hack job in these surgeries, sometimes killing his patients and other times just leaving them in like this, like external, eternal state of pain coming out of these operations. And, um, these are people that trust him, family members that are taking him and trusting him with their loved ones to, to do his job and to give them the best treatment possible. And I mean, at least I've seen at least a couple of his patients throughout this series, um, die because he's cut through an artery and kill them. And, um, it's a hard watch. It's a hard watch, but man, I think it's done really well. I'm going to give it like a super high taste it right now, even though I'm having a really 
hard time watching it because it's like super upsetting. But I think like, and then you've got these two doctors that are trying to stop him. They know this is going on and they're trying to bring this to like the medical board to like stop him from doing these surgeries. And I love like the dynamic between Christian Slater and Alec Baldwin. You've got Christian Slater who's like this really like crass and like, you know, impulsive kind of like guy who is just like, you know, fuck this guy. We need to get him out of here. And then you've got Alec Baldwin who's like, you know, you got to cross all your, you know, T's and dot all your I's and get all this stuff together before we try to bring this guy down and bring him to the medical board. And, do you know, he's very, very meticulous. And I love the dynamic between those two characters within this, within this series. Um, Dan, how many episodes of Dr. Death on Peacock have you watched? I just finished the second one yesterday. And where are you with this? God damn it. I didn't know Joshua Jackson could act like this. Jesus Christ. I think he's really good in this because, like, I hate his character. And I think, like, that's, like, a testament to, like, the job that he's doing as this character that I that I do hate him so much. Um but, uh, yeah, what, where are you with Dr. Death, man? So currently I'm at a high taste it, but I know how this story plays out and I'm not going anywhere. Like I really, I think I'm actually going to get Peacock because I think you can watch the first three on Peacock without the premium, right. or whatever they're calling that. Yeah. I think I'm going to get it for the month because I really want to finish it. Joshua Jackson's killing it in this, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, he, you know, you're right. I, could, I didn't know he can act like that either, but here's the deal. I have been in these rooms with these neurosurgeons, right? Like countless times in surgery with that's what, dude. That's why I was thinking it was perfect to have you dude, and Steve on this episode, man. Dude, yeah, he plays that shit so well. I'm not saying all neurosurgeons are like that, but that whole god complex thing that he has, yeah. I have gone. I mean, that's a whole story in itself, but I have gone. Like I've argued with neurosurgeons in the room before, just because of the way they fucking treat people. And um, so in that case, like it's very realistic, you know what I mean? And, and of course, it's it's a a nonfiction thing that we're talking about. So I'm super intrigued to see how it goes. You know, I had the same feeling for um, Dirty John when it came out because I really liked that podcast. But I'm not the biggest Eric Bana guy, and it didn't really. I don't know. I didn't really care for that one too much. This one, I find myself wanting to watch it more and more. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm in, man. I think it has the potential to go to a Tupperware. And I know that the podcast does. So, yeah, I'm, I'm actually pretty high on this one, man. Right now, it's a high taste. Jake, where are you at with uh, Dr. Death? Uh, I watched just the two episodes as well. And I, I'm right there locked up with you guys again on this one. I, I'm a high taste it. Man, yeah, Joshua Jackson, ever since... Um, I'm a big Fringe fan, and I think that's where he really started turning it up, uh, playing multiple versions of himself. And, like, you just didn't know this kid from the Mighty Ducks, like, had this, like, kind of acting in him. And I think this is the next level for him. So it's great to see. Those surgery scenes are so uncomfortable. Yes. The, the aides don't know what to do. They don't know if they can speak up. The sound All real, effects, by the way. Yeah, All the, real. The sound effects of him yanking and pulling in ways that you know he shouldn't because the premise is laid out for you in this show. Oh, my God. It's so uncomfortable. Um, my only beef with this show, and this is a personal problem of mine, is I cannot take Alec Baldwin in anything. Just the second he talks, he takes me out of it. And it's, oh, I wish they could have anyone else okay. in the show besides Alec Baldwin. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, when he does his fucking quick cameo on Glenn Glenn and Ross. Like, what are your thoughts? Come on. Let's, let, let me say anything post the shadow Alec Baldwin is where I have a problem. 
<laughs> it's like the last 20 years. Okay. You're Baldwin. talking about like Alec Baldwin once he joins SNL and he starts doing canteen boy sketches. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I just, I can't take the guy seriously. I know what a douche he is with the media and I, I try not to let that stuff bother me, but it does. It's yeah. like how many people on this set got punched by Alec Baldwin? You know, you'll never fucking know. Uh, so yeah. Um, but that aside, I was surprised. I, I went in going, oh, my God, it's going to be Alec Baldwin. I'm going to hate this. And it was still a high-tasted. I still – I do have the Peacock premium. I definitely am going to watch this now that I have some more time next week. I, I I can't wait to see how this all plays out. I do not – I resisted Googling. I wanted to so bad just to, to find out what was going on and what was this guy's deal and if he eventually got caught up. But, yeah, I – I'm in love with the show. Tell me that story. I, I'm in love with it. It's great. I'm so glad to see actors like Christian Slater and Brendan Fraser finding new life in new series and new movies. Just going to oh, say. Slater was so good, too. So Why good. Why does he have to be opposite Baldwin? <laughs> oh, come on. Honestly, like, Baldwin didn't bother me. Baldwin, I thought Baldwin, like, I was worried about that, too, going into this, Jake, because I can't take him seriously either. But I thought I thought Baldwin actually put in a pretty damn good performance. Steve, where are you with Dr. Death? I didn't get a chance to watch. I only watched the I only listened to the podcast. I wasn't able to Okay. No worries. No worries. But... What the fuck is going on outside? I, there's like gunshots or something. I think I, I might get murdered, guys. <laughs> I'm. I don't know what's. There's. I'm. 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 I don't, somebody's setting off fireworks, or somebody's attempting a, uh, to take my life right now. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, hopefully, it's the fireworks. Can you hear that? Thank you for bringing up. Not at I all. I hear it. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't hear it at all. No? Oh God! Yeah. Okay. I think I'm safe now. I feel like speaking to Doctor Death. I think Doctor Death is fucking. He's coming for your ass. Coming for my ass. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I. I'm. I, I can't wait. How many episodes is this? I didn't even check. They dropped them all at the same time. I'm not used to. Here's the thing. I'm not used to like. I'm used to Netflix dropping all the series at the same time. I'm used to Hulu like. Sometimes doing it, sometimes not doing it. Um, I'm used to Disney Plus doing it week to week. Um, HBO week to week. Uh, Amazon maybe dropping a couple episodes and then doing it week to week after that. Peacock, I was just like, what, what the fuck does Peacock do? So apparently they do, they do all the episodes. They drop them all. Yeah, exactly. They drop them all. So I don't, I didn't check and see how many episodes this went. Eight, There's eight, eight, episodes. eight episodes. Yeah, I'll be finishing this. This is something I will be finishing. Yeah, I'll give it a high taste. That yeah, Steve. I think Steve. I think especially like you and Dan would get something out of this. You know, both working in the medical field. Oh, yeah, I mean, I ran into. It's funny because uh, I don't. I, I listen to the podcast, but surgeons are the one. One of the only groups of people that think that since they know a thing about a certain thing, they know everything. Oh, they can be the worst. Everything. And I'm just like, wow, everyone else is like, no, I'm a really smart lawyer, but everything else I don't really know about. Surgeons know everything about everything. And surgeons get by on this, too, by the way, because it's like... You're going to hear it a lot. Well, I don't really need the bedside manner. I just want him to fix me. And some of these neurosurgeons are fantastic in what they do, which is why they act this way in the first place. You know, 
in this case, it's a it's a completely different story. But um, yeah, if you guys aren't familiar with the with the podcast, I think you're going to enjoy this one. I really do, and I really do think you should go back and listen to the podcast itself. It's it's excellent. Okay. It's brutal, dude. Brutal. That's one of the that's one of the most brutally dark podcasts like seasons I have heard. Jesus. And I'll tell you one thing too. When he's like hammering, and, that, oh, God. and that's. That shit is real. I'm telling you, it sounds just like that. It's oh my crazy. god, dude! Yeah, I just fucking wince. Like, uh, oh god, they're gonna—he's gonna break this person's spine. Or oh my! But I've god. heard that sound many times in my life. I didn't know if he was performing surgery or putting together like an IKEA shelf or desk or something. I didn't know what was going on. It was fucked up. Um, the White Lotus on HBO Max, uh, a social satire set. And in an exclusive Hawaiian resort, the series follows the vacations of various hotel guests over the span of a week as they relax and rejuvenate in paradise. But with each passing day, a darker complexity emerges in these picture-perfect travelers, the hotel's cheerful employees, and the idyllic locale itself. It stars Murray Barlett, uh, Connie Britton, uh, Jennifer Coolidge, Alexandra Daddario, uh, Fred Heckinger. Jake Lacey, Brittany O'Grady, Natasha Rothwell, Sydney Sweeney, and Steve Zahn. I love Steve Zahn. I actually I love a lot of this cast. Um, but uh, in in this episode, like at the beginning, we find out that there's uh, at this uh, you know this guy goes on his honeymoon, and uh, we find out that uh, his wife has died, and and then we kind of like do a. Uh, a time jump into the past where we're seeing like, I guess like how his wife played by Alexandra Daddario died while she was on this vacation. We meet some of the people that work in this hotel, one of which is just recently employed and she is pregnant and then starts to, um, have her baby on her first day of employment and she hid her pregnancy from her from her employers because she didn't want them to know because she wanted this job it was super important and it is uh, and then you've i don't even know where to start with this fucking show (laughs) it's written and directed by mike white he did hbo's enlightened which i have not watched this is my first introduction to anything done by mike white and i've seen this no it's not he wrote uh, School of Rock. School of Rock. I knew I'd seen this guy before as an actor and other things, but I didn't know if I'd watched anything else that he's ever done. But Jake, this is like a super dark comedy. The daughters of Connie, the the, the one daughter of Connie Britton and her friend. I fucking hate them <laughs> so fucking much. Sydney Sweeney plays the most like she has this ability to play this vapid character pretty much every time she's on screen. Yeah, you she, just want to hate her. She was in Euphoria. I loved Euphoria. I love Steve Zahn. Oh my god. Um I am I've watched the first episode. That's all they've dropped so far. I'm hooked on this. Like I like I am It's like a train wreck. I can't look away. Speaking of wrecks, I almost got in a wreck today. I almost had, to, I, I almost didn't record the podcast today because I almost died today. Oh my god. Yeah. There, like, power went out around here, so all the stoplights and shit, Jake, like, went out. Oh shit. And so I stopped at, you know, like, when all the stoplights are out, you treat it as a four-way stop. Mm-hmm. So I stopped. 
and it was my turn to go. And so I went. But a lady driving did not realize that it was a four-way stop. Apparently she just saw a green light because she was fucking going to fly right into me. And she was in a very large vehicle. And, uh, got super close to hitting me, dude. Like, super fucking close. Like, so close that, like, if she would have hit me, like, we would not be recording tonight. I might be, like, in the emergency room. Did you have to hit gas to avoid the hit? Um, I, I pump, I, like, I hit my brakes, and thank God she hit her brakes too, and we were, like, like, literally inches away from each other, and she looked at me, and she realized what she did, and she saw that the lights weren't, you know, working, and she looked at me, and she fucking said, like, I didn't even make eye contact her, and I was like, oh my god, what the fuck, what the fuck? Yeah. And then when I looked at, when I looked at her, and I'm, like, holding my chest, I'm like, I'm like, 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 I'm like an old woman that like fucking like, oh my, you know, like I'm holding my chest, like I'm fucking like, like getting ready to have a heart attack or something. And I look at this woman and she looks at me and like, I'm ready to like, I'm just like, holy shit. I can't believe I'm still fucking here. What the fuck? And she looks at me and she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And like, this is like my moment to like fucking like freak out on her and like start cursing and shit. And I looked at her and I was like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, you know, oh, Jesus Christ. I thought I was going to fucking die, dude. It was fucked up. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I I guess I just, I I guess I just put, like, yeah, when you're driving, here we are with another fucking public service announcement. When you're driving and it's a four-way stop after the power goes out, don't trust the other people in the vehicles. Look before you go. Look before you go because you might yeah. die. Oh, my God. I thought I was going to die, guys. Jesus Christ. Anyway, White Lotus. White Lotus. I, I, fucking, I fucking love this show. I thought it was – I thought it – I think I might be the only one that loved this as much as I did. It is so awkward and so weird and so quirky, and I can't wait to see where this fucking goes. And it is, I give this a Tupperware. I am hooked after one episode. I am just, this is, the, I think this is just so weird. I don't know where it's going to go. It's not one of those things where it's like, oh, I hope they stick the landing. I don't know if they can stick the landing. This is so fucking, I hope it just goes one season. I don't want to see multiple seasons of this. I just want to see how this fucking lady died. And I just want to see this whole story played out because it is so fucking bizarre. The marriage. Oh, be- can, can, can I go next? Jump year? in, jump in, Jake. Yeah, I, I, I think I did love this as much as you. This was an absolute shopperware, and I think Trainwreck is the perfect description of this. It's like so much chaos and so much awkward and so much dis- dysfunction in like every storyline. Yeah. And, and normally I, I hate that device where we see the future before we see how it got there. But here it really works. I'm really hooked. I, that's my favorite storyline. I think Jake Lacey is hilarious in his role and just how obsessed he is with this whole, did he, did he get the room he, he paid for storyline <laughs> going on in this? Yes. Oh, I love that actor too. I love him. He was in a show, he was in a show called Billy and Billy that was like a, a direct TV AT&T original and I loved him in that show. I love him. Yeah, I love that storyline as well. I was actually very hyped to see this before it even, even it even aired because I'm, I'm a big Mike White fan. He was actually a Survivor contestant. He got second place, and I've listened to him on a lot of podcasts since then. He, he's a really charismatic, funny, interesting guy, and uh, 
he's written a lot of dumb shit, just Hollywood project shit. And it's really cool to see him finally get his due and get something that's really his vision on this HBO Max show. Um, yeah. Like he wrote the Emoji movie, if you wanted an example of the kind of stuff that he gets yeah, <laughs> that they throw at this guy. So to go from the Emoji movie to something so creative and brilliant as the White Lotus, I, I'm super proud of the guy. Like I, I feel like I know him. I've listened to him so much on these podcasts, like talking about like his work and production. So like I couldn't be more prouder to, to see the outcome of what he did for HBO here. He, he nailed it. It's so good. Steve, did you watch the first episode of the White Lotus? I totally did. And, and thoughts, dude. It did it, did, did it, was it white enough and was it Lotus enough for you to enjoy this one? <laughs> <laughs> there were no lotus. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> I will say number one, uh, you know, Mike White is responsible for my son's favorite movie of all time, Nacho Libre. So automatically I'm like, okay, my antenna are up, I'm I'm in. Dude, I love this show. Yeah. So far. So far I love this show. I think it's fantastic. It was great seeing Natasha Walk I haven't uh, Rothwell. I haven't seen her since um, Insecure, and I just loved her in that. And it was great. Jake Lacey, fantastic. I, I liked him. He was in a movie. I forgot the name of the movie. Uh, he was uh, with Olivia Wilde. And I forgot what the name of that movie was. But it was pretty much just those two in an airport. And I was like, man, this guy is good. Well, shit, I'm going to Google that because I'll watch that yeah, any day. That sounds great. Wild, and they're just yeah. kind of going back and forth and talking in an airport and Kind of, you know, they both have a layover and they're just, it's just conversations. But, um, I think that, like a lot of people try to do quirky and it comes off being like, yeah, we get what you're doing. He didn't do the quirky thing. It's just, I think it rises above that. There's like something you can tell something is going on because all these things are transpiring, but he started off with, oh, don't forget someone died. So this yeah. is dark, no matter how funny it all gets. Something is about to happen. And so it always keeps that undertone of dark, and I just love it. I think uh, Alexander, you know, I, she did a great job. Um, She's, she has come a long way. So, she has come a long way since San Andreas, has she not? Dude, I think she's come a long <laughs> way since... Um, uh, True Detective? Cop show. Yes, True Detective. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know, I was like, I Those detectives lied. What did you think about that? I was very mad because there were there was no it was more there was a detective but they they lied a lot true. though they were not oh, true detectives I was not appreciative <laughs> I was not appreciative at all. <laughs> low taste <laughs> but um this show man this is it was so good that I immediately I was waiting for it to do to do the whole play the next episode and I was like oh crap we're doing week to week. That's I'm HBO, not, man. I was so mad, man, but I'm in. I will give this a very high taste. I love this show. I can't wait for the next one. Very cool. Very cool. Dan, what did you think about The White Lotus? Loved the first episode. It's exactly what I want in a television show. Kind of scares me because, like, we've seen these shows before, and then they can go to shit. You know yeah. what I mean? But I don't think that's going to be the case with this one. The cast is just too damn strong. Um I just love it when you don't really know what's going to happen and you have all these these stories that are just sort of – they're all separate, but you know they're going to somehow intermingle and, and uh, just the weirdest, quirkiest characters in this, man. Yeah. Um, I will say 
probably a bit too much cock and balls from Steve Zahn, in my opinion. But, you know, <laughs> to each their own, because it's a lot of cock and balls. We, we can agree on that, right, guys? It's um, I mean, like a lot of cock and balls. It was a lot, lot of Steve Zahn cock, yeah. There is a lot of Steve Zahn testicles in this, so just be on the lookout for those. You can't miss them, I assure you. But, um, yeah, man, it's just, it's just really... I'm just so interested already because I just want to know. And much like I'm sure all of you, I'm used to the hitting the next button and just keep going. And I was like, oh, damn it. Damn it. Now I got to wait. And I think it, I don't even know when it comes out. Is it Sundays or Saturdays? So, I think Do it's I have one to watch tonight. Well, it's HB. Is it an HBO Max original that hits on Thursdays, Jake? You know, I'm not sure if it's HBO proper or HBO Max. That's the most confusing thing to keep track of. Ever. HBO Max originals are Thursdays, but HBO is Sundays typically. Right? Yeah, the big HBO yeah, show. So weird. Yeah. So weird. I just answered my own question. It's actually on Sunday when it drops. It's on uh, Sunday. Okay. It's a legit HBO show. There you go. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, it's, uh, well, you mean difference between HBO and HBO Max? Is that what you're getting at? Or it just says is, HBO original. So, but it also has HBO Max. Like Flight Attendant didn't air on HBO, it just aired on HBO Max. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm glad I have Max, though, because they're killing it. And this is just another addition to what they're doing this library of these awesome original content series is that they're putting out so very very happy with it i just don't know what the hell's going to happen and uh, that's probably the best part about it you, you know, know what i mean dan you know what fucked me up um was before we watched that roadrunner movie they did the trailer for like the the prequel for the sopranos yes i've never watched i've never watched the sopranos it's pretty brilliant for four seasons. It, th- this trailer and watching his son playing him in it made me want to watch The Sopranos. And like, I totally think you should, man. Cause it comes out this fall and it's like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe I should just like put some of these things that I've been like watching on the back burner and like do a Sopranos watch because I love gangster shit. I, I'm a huge fan of Goodfellas and all this shit, man. Maybe I should fucking just like dive into the Sopranos. I think you'll Dude, fall in Sopranos love is legendary for like, like uh, Jake said, four seasons is some of the best TV you will ever see in your life. Okay. No question. Okay. It's got to happen. I've got to watch The Sopranos. It's got to happen. The, and the last couple seasons have their moments, but it's pretty much brilliant from edge to edge for four seasons. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you can just tell that they made them have three more seasons. Okay. Absolutely. They start just killing people. I'm like, why would, what's, but fine. I still watched it. Make no mistake. I still watched every single episode. So, dude, it was it was such a good show. Such a good show. Dude. Yeah, which is why I'm worried about this new thing they're doing, man. I don't know. Anyway, it was it's a for four seasons, like Jake said, a perfect show. Yeah, one has to ask themselves: Did this really need to be made? I'm not entirely sure that's the wow. case at all. But I, okay. I appreciate that they're doing it. You know, I mean, I, I think that. Uh, there's a lot about Tony Soprano that we can still find out. I really want to see the origin story of him, you know. But what I love about the trailer, and you have to be into Sopranos to get this. Uh, I'm talking about Tony's mom. You'll just, Brian, you'll learn to know Tony's mom. She's one way pretty much throughout the whole series. <laughs> and when you see the young version of his mom, I don't even remember what the line was, but she makes this face. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, you are you are this woman. Like, it's just, um, I don't want to spoil anything about his mom or okay. anything about the Sopranos, actually. But... I think it's going to be good, dude. I really do. I, if, if it's not like Sopranos worthy as far as like something that they, they feel, you know, we would feel comfortable 
including with the Sopranos lore, I think it's going to be good on its own as just a standalone, like a regular old gangster movie. I'm pretty, I'm pretty easy on the gangster movies. I just like that shit. It's Monster movies and stuff. It's crazy, dude. It's like, it's like right before the fucking fast, you know, nine movie came out. I'm like, I'm going to do this whole fucking fast and furious watch that I've never fucking dove into. And then I start, I start getting these feelings about Paul Walker at the end. And I feel like maybe if I go down this fucking, Sopranos fucking journey. I might start getting like, you know, cause I, I appreciate James Gandolfini. I love him in True Lies. You know, I love True Lies. I loved, I think James Gandolfini is a fucking really good actor, but I've never seen him like shine like the way everybody talks about him in The Sopranos. I gotta watch Oh this. yeah, that's his peak role. Yeah. Sure, Tony Soprano. Yeah. Real quick, let me get a taste of his viciousness when you see a true romance. I mean, Tony yeah. Soprano's oh, pretty calm most of the time until you get him pissed off, but you get a taste of that viciousness in true romance. True romance. Yeah. Good as the Mexican, too. Yes. Oh, that was a fun movie. Uh, real quick, let's talk about uh, these last couple things we're going to talk about real quick. The Beast Must Die on AMC Plus, and then it dropped a week later on regular AMC. And this stars Billy Howell, Kush Jumbo, and then Jared Harris, which was not in the first episode. I watched the first episode. It's about Jumbo plays a woman who ingratiates herself with the family of a man she believes responsible for the fatal hit and run of her young son. She's tracked by a detective, played by Billy Howell, who has reason to believe his department covered up the man's involvement in the incident. And it's an AMC Plus original six-part revenge thriller. And uh, I watched the first episode, and I, I enjoyed it. I'll give it a solid taste it. And uh, I think that uh, I, you know, I... It's one of those where, like, I may or may not come back to the next episode. Like, I'm ready for the next episode of The White Lotus, which I loved. And... I don't know if I'm going to come back to this one right away. I'm going to be finishing. I think I'll be finishing Dr. Death before this one. But, like, who else watched The Beast Must Die? I did. What would you think, Steve? Um, I love Chris Jumbo. I am a, I mean, I like, I loved her in The Good Fight and The Good Wife. I thought she was great. I've never seen either of those. They're both good. They're both really good. They're both It's in the title. (laughs) (laughs) this this show uh for about half of the show i had no idea what the hell was going on i was like wait what are we doing and then it finds its sea legs or maybe i just had to catch up and by the end of it um, I'm, I'm right with you, Brian. I think I could see this being a show I totally forget about next week. And yeah. if someone was like, hey, did you ever finish Beast? I'll be like, oh, crap, you're right. And I'll go binge it. But I would say if, if I would, re- I, if it came up in conversation, I would recommend it. Would I bring it up in conversation? No way. It wouldn't be something that just, oh, you got to see this on AMC plus. I would give it a low taste. Um, if you, if you want to watch, cause this is not a watch while you're, you have to sit, sit down and focus. Is it worth a person's focus? I don't know. I think it's perfectly <laughs> fine, but I'll give it a low taste. Here's the thing though, Steve. I'm a huge fan of Jared Harris. I loved him in Chernobyl and yes. he, he hasn't even appeared in the first episode. So maybe, maybe I'm, 
maybe I'm speaking a little prematurely. And once we get to the Jared Harris stuff, I'm going to be all about it. So, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll give it that second episode just to get to, to, to Jared Harris. Cause we haven't gotten to Jared Harris yet in this series. Yeah, and normally he plays a dangerous person where you're like, if she's trying to ingratiate herself into that family, knowing that what he's capable of, sometimes he plays so dangerous that you're like, oh boy, who's this guy? So who knows? Either way, I'm, I wouldn't be opposed to what, like I paid yeah. $2.99 for this show. Yeah. And I wasn't like, oh, I just wasted three. No, it was like, oh, it's fine. It was perfectly fine. I liked it. Yeah. Dan, did you get a chance to see it? I didn't. I actually started to watch it, but I just got busy. I pulled away, and I haven't had a chance to go back to it yet. Um, I saw probably – I saw up to the point where – it's like right at the beginning where she changes her hairstyle. Mm -hmm. So I didn't get very far in this at all. To me, from what I saw, it seems a little dark, a little – not dark. It's just slower and maybe just not. I mean, obviously the content and and what the the story is about, it's a a revenge story. You know what I mean? But I don't know. It just seemed to – Grim. I, I can't explain it, but I don't feel that I could really give it an accurate review from what I saw. Okay. I don't. But I, on the other hand, I don't know if I'm going to come back to it, especially after hearing you guys. Yeah, I. You know, I'm. You know, I might give it another episode. I want to get to the Jared Harris stuff, and then I'll go from there. Something that I'm never going to watch again is Space Jam: A New Legacy. Um, this dropped on HBO Max. I, Jake, I didn't see this in the theater. I. I was going to see it in the theater, and then I just like fuck it. I'm going to watch it at home. You, you chose correctly. I did choose correctly. Um, <laughs> this is – I thought it was terrible. Um, I'm actually – I'm hearing that maybe Don Chadle is going to get an Oscar nomination for it, though. You're kidding me. Well, he got one for his Emmy. He got an Emmy nomination. <laughs> oh, oh, that makes sense. Oh, I get the joke now. That was nicely done. <laughs> That is so funny. <laughs> that is nicely done. <laughs> Dude shows up for fucking five seconds and the Falcon and Winter Soldier gets an Emmy nomination. Uh, superstar, superstar LeBron James and his son Dom get trapped. I love how his name's Dom and this is a family story. Uh, it's very much a family story. They get trapped in digital space by uh, rogue AI to get home safely. LeBron teams up with Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, and the rest of the Looney Tunes gang for a high-stakes basketball game against the AIs, digitized champions of the court, a powered-up roster called the Goon Squad. LeBron James and a... Don Cheadle and, uh, what is it? Lil Rel Howery, Sonequa Martin Green from, uh, she was in, uh, Walking Dead. What else? She was in that new, uh, she's in the new Star Trek Discovery thing too. I don't, this is fucking terrible. Oh my god, this is fucking awful. Um, there's a couple funny parts. I, I did, I did love, like, when they went into, like, the Warner Brothers, you know, universe, the digitized universe for Warner Brothers and, and Foghorn Leghorn was on the Game of Thrones dragon. He said, <laughs> what did he say? He said, he said, winter, I'll say winter is coming. <laughs> I laughed harder at Brian's impersonation of Foghorn Leghorn than I did this entire <laughs> I did think that was kind of funny, but overall, man, I mean, dude, like I, I thought LeBron, I thought LeBron James was like really funny and good in Trainwreck. 
with Amy Schumer and Bill Hader. But when you make him like the main character of a movie and you let him just, I don't know, it was bad. And I'm not saying like, and here, I'm one of those people, like the original Space Jam movie, like I saw that came out in 90, what, 96? That's right, I think. And I was a Bulls fan. That's the only reason I watched it then, because I was a huge Bulls fan. I'm still a Bulls fan. But I was a huge Bulls fan, huge Jordan fan. That's the only reason I watched it. I didn't think that movie was good. And I know there's a lot of people that love it and think it's a great movie and they have a lot of nostalgia for it. I didn't think that that was a good movie. I, but I think that like, if I'm comparing the original Space Jam to this turd, like, the original Space Jam is the Citizen Kane of Space Jams compared to this. This was absolutely terrible um the version of don, don chadle that turns into the basketball player version of him was so weird looking <laughs> and terrible i hated this i give it a toss it hey, <laughs> let, let me toss this real quick this had, this had um <laughs> This had Herculoids in it, and it had Jabberjaw in it. And yes. other than that, this movie was completely irredeemable. It was the worst movie I've seen all year. Honestly, I was open to this movie, too. I'm a huge Warner Brothers animation Looney Tunes mark. I was like, well, at least it'll have that, and it'll be funny for that. I, I thought that stuff was a complete miss. I haven't heard the Looney Tunes in quite a while, and I think the modern-day voices for these characters are fucking awful. Just terrible. The the Bugs does not sound like Bugs, and I hate to sound like a fucking boomer complaining about that kind of shit, but it really bothered me. I, I thought the voices were really bad. Um, none of the jokes hit. The plot was ridiculous. LeBron was so fucking flat. He was like a fucking two liter of seven up that you left out for like five weeks in the hot sun. Like it was that fucking. <laughs> God damn. Okay. Yeah. I would not argue with you. Um, yeah, this was, this was fucking terrible. It, it made me mad. It was so bad. Cause like I said, I didn't even come at this as a hater. I was like, I'm a fan of these properties. This is going to be fun, but. All the properties were misused. All the Game of Thrones and Harry Potter and DC Comics and all of it. Like, you have all of that to mine for laughs. And this movie couldn't find a single fucking one. It was terrible. I I, I will pass. I <laughs> For the sake of time, I will not bitch about this movie for an hour. Yeah. Did, did anybody else? Did, uh, Steve, Dan, did you guys watch this one? Hell no, I didn't watch that movie. I knew what was coming. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> I'm a busy man, Brian. <laughs> I, got, I got shit to do and I just could not sit fucking Space Jam in it. What I love about that is that like, if you go online, you're looking on Twitter and shit, and people are like, I can't believe that fucking movie sucked. Dude, you, you're like 50 years old. Like This movie's not meant for you. You know yeah. what I mean? But that's not the point. That It's just I have just never – I've never been a big Warner Brothers person as far as like the animation goes outside of like Saturday morning cartoons and stuff like that. But when the original Space Jam came out, it looked like shit to me. And I'm just and I had but I had to tell myself this isn't movie. This isn't a movie for me. Like Mm -hmm. I get Michael Jordan fans. I get that. And we all know the tour de force performance he did in that one. But yeah, I just it just wasn't for me. So I'm kind of just being a smart ass on purpose. But I, I 
no, I had no desire to watch this well, movie. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to. It was going to be complete shit. I, I'm with Dan. I didn't. I didn't because the thing is, truthfully, when we watched Space Jam back in the day, we we weren't into it at all then. The first Space Jam, but I tell you what, we all bought that. When I hit him high, hit him high, hit him high, we're like, yes, that we still bump that out, and they don't even have a, a song like that in this one. Yeah, we remember that song from that. But we can recite that song because they understood. Okay. We have to at least have something. This is called Space Jam. I haven't heard it. I was just like, okay, well, there's, there's nothing for us to see in this one. So, yeah, Dude, it had a I new version it. of Pump Up the Jam that made me want to stab my ears oh, out. come on. I didn't know. <laughs> God, the, it, it's wide open to at least make a great soundtrack. Be like, bring them all back to redo when I hit them high. <laughs> yeah, get R. Kelly back in there. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> we gotta be careful who we bring back now. <laughs> You're telling me right now. That's like the only franchise this movie won't cross over with. <laughs> that's, that's funny, dude. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't get the chance to see. It. And now that y'all talked about it, because I was on the, I was like, maybe I'll check it out. Now that you. And Jake said, "No, I'm not going to watch." It's a, it's, anyway. it's a pass, man. Don't, don't even go down there. Don't even go down that road. It's trash. It's fucking trash. The fact that, the fact that, the, what burnt me up this, what, what so much is like they try to like put like this split between LeBron and his son that feels so forced. You know what I mean, Jake? Yeah, it's so dumb. Oh, he wants to go to video game camp, but he can't bring it up. And, like, the story is not, like, there's not a second of, like, emotion or you get sentimental or sappy. It's You see everything a mile away yeah. in what's coming. It's really bad. It also takes too long to get to what it thinks are the goods. This movie meanders for a good 20, 30 minutes before we're just like showing you every product placement Warner Brothers has. And then it's like, how can we up the game? Oh, let's just fucking make this game. Like, it's like, oh, your son is so talented. He fucking made NBA Jam, the video game. Like, good for him. <laughs> like, it, it's already, it, it was done fucking like, you know, 30 years ago, dude. This game came out 30 years ago. Your, your son just fucking improved upon, not even approved, improved upon, but your, your son just made an NBA Jam clone. Okay, awesome. Good for you, dude. Dude, I could not believe Posterized came back as a stinger at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I'm shocked I made it through this. This was two hours. I will never get back. Thank God I did not see this. I was going to see this in the theater, Jake, and I was just like, I canceled my ticket, and I said, I'm going to watch this at home, and I'm glad I did, because it was oh like, my- oh, bad. Real quick, I did watch Fear Street Part 2, 1978, and Fear Street Part 3, 1666. Who else got a chance to watch Fear Street, this this trilogy of movies that they drop week from week on Netflix? Dan, I know you watched the first one. Yeah, I'm good. I'm ready. I've watched, them, I've watched everything. Jake, did you finish the trilogy? Yeah, I watched the entire trilogy. Steve, I don't know if you started this. Did you, did you start Fear Street? Yeah, I watched all of them. Did you? Okay, guys. I'm going to say this. I loved Fear Street. I love, I, I gave high taste, I high taste it to Fear Street Part 1, 1994. Fear Street Part 2, 1978, I'm also going to give it a high taste it. Fear Street Part 3, 1666, 
gets a middle of the road taste for me. Um, I did enjoy the series overall. I don't think that it like stuck the landing or anything to be quite honest with you, but I, I, I'm glad I watched it. You know, I don't think it was wasted time. I don't think this is NBA jam, a new legacy. I don't feel like I wasted my time watching this. And, um, you know, for something that I thought was just going to be some kind of like YA fucking, you know, horror bullshit, they, they actually brought some gore, man. I was, I was pleasantly surprised with this one. So I'll give it, overall, I'll give it, uh, you know, I guess overall, you know, high taste it for the second one, 1978, and then I, I taste it for the third one. I, I just, that third one was, I don't know, not the best, but Dan, what do you think overall? Pretty much with you. I really liked uh, Fear Street Two actually more than Fear Street One. Really, I, I found I found that that one had more of the um, like the seventies, eighties slasher camp stuff. You know what I mean? Like that's what it's built upon. But yeah, it, I think it nailed it. Like the music sounded good. The the way they were acting sounded good. I think that their wardrobe was great, and I just enjoy that that kind of a slasher movie. Something yeah. about being out in the woods in the dark with someone chasing you is kind of scary. You know. That said, these movies are they're. Um, they're not quite like bubblegum version of horror because we do have the gore. We do have, you know, sort of sex scenes and some and a lot of profanity and stuff like that. But I think as on the whole, I think that this series is pretty fucking solid and I can actually welcome more in. We, I feel that we're going to get that I do too. the last scene yeah. and I welcome them. I'll watch every single one of them until they disappoint me because uh, I just think it's um, it's really entertaining. It, you don't have to really put a lot of thought into it. You know, you're getting a payoff of a lot of like, you know, if you watch a slash movie, you want to see the murders and stuff like that. Um, but it didn't really, you know, it didn't offend me. It didn't bother me. There was nothing where I felt like I was. Uh, you were entertained. Wool... It was yeah, entertaining. I, I didn't feel like I was having the wool pull over my eye or anything. I was. It was just. A, it was a fine series, and I think yeah. that uh, they have a lot of room with these to keep on going. So, um, I liked it. I will say that uh, Fear Street Three was probably the worst of the bunch. Yeah. And um, you know, it kind of at times because of it's a period piece. If you want to call it that, you're it's a, it's a bit of a stretch to call it that, you know, but it feels like it kind of came off like a little bit like a high school play sometimes because you're dealing with like, I, I, I think I'm calling it correctly, like the old English, you know, they're trying to use it's it, put it this way. It's not the witch when they're talking to each other. You know what I mean? Um, and the other thing, I have this major complaint with all three of these movies, and I don't know if you guys experienced this, but I have tried to make adjustments on my television. I got into my Apple TV. I went online for this. shit. It is the darkest of dark in these movies. Did you guys get that at all? Like in the dark scenes, like oh, I, I can't fucking see what's going on. Hmm. I didn't have a problem. I didn't have a problem I, with that either. I don't yeah. know what's up. Like I, I tried going into my television and changing all of the, you know, the dynamic settings, taking off HDR. <laughs> I got online for what, what kind, what kind <laughs> of TV you got, <laughs> dude? What, I feel I like a 4K I've, Samsung. Dude, you're right. I've never had this problem on any other, um, like with any other movie. It was just this this series for some reason. Listen to Jake. Listen to Fancy Pants over here with this 4K. It's all right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. apparently apparently it doesn't work. Dude, you should have been watching this shit. You you should. That's the best answer you could have given. You should have been watching this shit on a 720p Toshiba like me. Maybe I should just watch it on my old ass computer screen or something. I watched this shit on my flip phone. It looked perfect. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know why. It's the only time I've ever experienced this with a, with a television show, and That's apparently weird. it's my problem. It didn't really take away from it outside of the fact that I was, like, squinting. Now, I did watch all three of these just because I had to fit all this stuff into my crazy-ass work week. I did watch all three of them d- during the day, so maybe that had something to do with it. There's a lot of natural light in my house. Mm-hmm. I really can't, you know, 
maybe that's what contributed to it. But it didn't take away from the overall experience of this. I really, really enjoyed it. I um, think we need to pause this episode and do some troubleshooting on uh, <laughs> on, on dance television. Right what now, I've been missing. I know. I, I must have just spent too much money for this. Dan, are, actually, it's a fantastic picture. I don't know what's going on. Are you using component cables or like HDMI? What's going it's on over HDMI, there? HDMI, man. I have no idea. Okay, no clue. Are these? Are these? I looked it up. I knew it was just me too because I looked it up online. I'm like Fear Street series too dark, you know, whatever. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. At all. So. This one's on me, but again, I still liked it. <laughs> that's good. Dude, that sucks. It didn't feel too dark for me. So, um, Jake, yeah, what did you think about uh, Fear Street's uh, part two and uh, three? Yeah, I'm right there with Dan. I thought the second one was by far the best one. It was a very high-tasted. I thought it was the most clever. It was by, It was the most gruesome. Um, it was the most shocking. I thought the, the plot that was revealed was the most interesting and I was really pumped to watch part three. And then I very much agree with you guys that part three was the worst. Um, just the whole, if it wasn't for the last third of the movie where you get the wrap up to the whole series, this almost would have been borderline toss it for me. That, that end third really brought it to taste at land and made the whole thing redeemable. But yeah, the whole witch flashback, all that. It, there really was not that much new information. Like it had all kind of been spelled out through the flashbacks, and they conditioned you to like a level of just crazy, insane horror gore in the first two to have such a step back from that to this one. It, it was thematically so different to be part of this trilogy, I thought, until it got to the very end, the last third, which brought the whole thing back. But yeah. It was worth a watch. If you haven't seen this and you're into this kind of, like, there has, hasn't been any horror like this I've seen in a long time since VHS days. I, I want to apologize for every, to everybody for the background noise. That was me ripping open up a, a, a new 12 pack of beer. I finished off the last <laughs> one. <laughs> it's like mom at that time. It was one of those things where, like, Jake, I was like, as soon as I asked Jake what he thought about this, I'm going to get up and leave and go across the room and grab my second 12-pack of Stella. And then I'll bring it back and I'll be, I'll be very discreet about opening the box. And then it was like, there's no way to be discreet about opening this box, so I'm just going to rip this motherfucker open. And it was like... <laughs> And you're talking about it. I am just ripping this. And dude, this is not even refrigerated, but I'm going to drink it anyway. I don't give a You're going fuck. room temp? I'm going room temp, Dan. I'm going for it. <laughs> 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 oh, no. It didn't work right there, bro. Dan's like, you're going room temp? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you don't go room temp. You don't go room temp, Brian! <laughs> 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 Steve Fear Street Part 2 and 3 I will say this <laughs> This is definitely Room Temp oh my God. You sound like you're struggling over there Oh my god Steve Fear Street Part 2 and 3 There was fear <laughs> and there was streets So off the jump <laughs> Often, I'm like, okay, it is. I mean, um, I, I love Fear Part Two. Yeah, this would be a being that I'm a horror film fanatic. This is the epitome of no one is safe. Every 
one can get. At the end, I was like, holy crap, everyone could get it. And I love the fact that they were just like, yeah, no one to say. Old school slasher, good old, old kill. Now, mind you, the, the first one probably had the best kill of the series. Um, you know, it's just like, wow, they went all the way. So, oh, wow, impressed. And that set the tone. I will say I like the, th- well, I'll give the second one a high taste. I will give the third, um, a taste, a solid taste, middle of the road taste. Um, but I, I think I liked it a hair better than you guys only because I felt like what she was doing, in my opinion, was her tone matched the, like, there's a lot of movies that she, that, that happened in that age. You know, the, what was that one called? Not, the, there's, yeah, there was that movie called The Witch. Warlock. I'm not really the stuff like it's like stuff that is so boring. And I'm like, is she going and she didn't and for me the 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 last third of the movie redeemed it more than it did for y'all. Because that first when it was in ninth or sixteen, six whatever, I didn't like it at all. I thought this was like when are we gonna get to something happening? Where but I will say that the set piece in the church was fantastic. I mean that was a Oh god very unsettling visual. Oh my like, god. Well, and the hanging scene was very unsettling. I was like, oof, this is wow. So she definitely, the, the director definitely still killed it, but again, I would still say all three of them, all three of them knocked it out of the park for me. I thought yeah. did, the, the director did a fantastic job on it. So yes, I will give the, um, the third one uh, still a middle of the road test. I think, yeah, I think the series is definitely worth watching. Um, even though we're not all as high on the third one as uh, the first two, definitely watch the series. Let's move on to the pop culture leftovers news. Man, this beer is room temp, bro. <laughs> yeah, wow, what's the temp of the room, dude? It's it's got to be like I feel like it's got to it's over eighty in here now, dude. I t- oh, no. I'm telling you, man, this shit is like it's like drinking piss, bro. It's like drinking. It's like drinking Paul Giamatti's piss, dude. Which might excite that wow, one. Very specific. It might excite that one woman that wants to fuck him. But for me, I mean, I want this shit a little colder, you know. Um, very specific news. Pop culture leftovers news. There we go. Um, let's see. We got. We got to. We got to finish this. Jake's got to leave here soon. Albert Hughes. Uh, this comes from Dark Horizons. Albert Hughes has been set to, uh, direct, uh, John Wick's Stars prequel spinoff, The Continental. Albert Hughes was the director for the Book of Eli, From Hell, and Menace to Society. And, uh, Heat Vision broke the report saying the project was originally developed to be a series, is now being altered into more of a major one-off event. So it looks like it's going to be a, a one-off event on Stars. Thank God, because Stars cancels fucking everything. The project has been reportedly reconceived as a three-part, three-night event limited series, with each episode coming in at both a movie length, around 90 minutes, and at a movie budget, upwards of $20 million each. Hughes, who most recently directed 2018's Alpha and the pilot of Showtime's The Good Lord Bird, will serve as director of the first and third episodes. A director for the middle episode hasn't been chosen yet. 
Chad Stahelski has filmed all the films in the series to date. Uh, the prequel will revolve around the Continental, the chain of hotels located all around the world that function as a neutral territory for members of the criminal underworld. And yeah, guys, we're getting a, uh, we're getting a Continental series. Uh, it's expected to arrive after the currently filming John Wick Chapter 4 hits cinemas next year. Um, Jake, I feel like we've been talking about the Continental for like a year and a half, two years. It feels like longer than that, honestly. Oh my gosh, it feels like this show has been in pre-production just forever. So, yeah, I, I like the idea of it being just a three-night event. Get in, get out. Don't overcommit. Don't overset up. Just tell a good, fun story and get out before Stars cancels you. Yeah, no shit. They canceled fucking... They canceled American Gods, and that third season came back with a vengeance. It was so goddamn good. Um, yeah, uh, Dan, uh, what... <laughs> Stars, <laughs> would you get a Stars subscription to watch a Continental series that's set in the John Wick universe? Absolutely, I would. I don't know if I would keep it, you know, it's just really going to depend on, I don't really, like I have Stars and I don't watch Stars. So I, I it's not, a, it's not a channel that I watch a lot, but um, yeah, I've been waiting to see this for a while and I'm, I was like late to the John Wick show. I just got into it on in uh, John Wick 3. Mm-hmm. So I'm still fully wrapped, you know, like I'm totally wrapped up in the whole John Wick story. I love it and uh, I want to see more of this for sure. Steve, uh John Wick, are you a fan? Would you be watching uh, The Continental on Stars? Uh for sure. I'm a massive John Wick fan and I think uh knowing that Hughes knows how to direct um, action because you know Book of Eli. I'm very eager to see what he does here. I'm yeah. in. I would. Uh, I, I would even get the star subscription just to like Dan said to watch this show or to watch this movie and then just cancel it. Yeah, Jake. I know. Like you, you, you did not like that first episode of Blind Spotting. I'm through like the first four episodes on that show, and I really think it benefits to, to having me watching the movie because <laughs> I'm really digging it, man. Yeah, that must be because I I just did not have a taste for that show at yeah, all. Yeah, I but I, I'm I'm totally anything John Wick related. I'm going to be watching. Can't wait. Uh, it was announced this week that of course Ian McShane will be returning for the fourth movie. Cannot wait, guys. He's joined by Donnie Yen, Hiroyuki Sonata. Oh my god, I cannot wait for uh, John Wick four. So I'm super pumped. That they are already filming that. Antonio Banderas is joining Indiana Jones 5, guys. Um, <laughs> Another old guy. Oh, Jake. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, like, I like Antonio He was most recently in, uh, he was the villain in the uh, Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. And uh, I loved him in that. I love, that movie is so fucking good. Go back and watch the first one. The Hitman's Bodyguard. Um, and then the sequel is real. it's better than the original. It's really fucking good. Anyway, um, yeah, Antonio Banderas joins the cast. So, yeah, another old guy as Jake would put it. <laughs> Line him up for Indiana Jones 5. Yeah, Wilford Brimley's fucking carcass, dead carcass is gonna Let's be joining. Make it both Indiana Jones 5 and Cocoon 3 at the same time. Oh my god. Did you know that there's a fucking website where you can find out? Hold on, hold on. I got this fucking saved on my phone. There's a fucking website where 
Yeah, it's called brimleyline.date and it's the it's the Wilford Brimley Cocoon Line Calculator. When Cocoon reached theaters on June third, on June twenty first, nineteen eighty five, Wilford Brimley was eighteen thousand five hundred and thirty days old, fifty years, nine months, and six days. And it tells you this calculator will tell you when you hit the Brimley line. <laughs> oh, I don't want to see that. I don't want to know. Think about think about that though. Did, did Wilford Wilford Brimley when he was in Cocoon, he looked like he was fucking like eighty five. He was just fifty. Oh he was God. fifty That's years crazy. old, nine months and six days. Dan, Dan, I'm telling you, when you hit fifty years, nine months and six days, you're gonna look like a goddamn puppy compared to Wilford Brimley in Cocoon. Oh, that's good because that's just right around the corner. I know, I know, I, what, what, what was it with the older actors back then? Like they just look. He's an exception, though. You know what I mean? Like this guy. I think he was born that way. I think he just came out with the balding, the haircut, and the fucking beard and shit, and the glasses because he's just always been that guy. You know? I guess, man. But it, I think it was like I think it was just like what they liked the like the the people that they liked the cast back in the eighties and shit. Just look like they were fucking old as shit. If you look at um uh Ted Danson in Cheers, he was young, but he's he he just looked like he looked like he was fucking like forty or something from like the time the series started to when it ended. He just looked like an it's weird. These and like oh um Oh, who's the Magnum PI guy? Tom Selleck. Tom, Tom Selleck. Selleck. Tom Selleck has just always looked like I I can't imagine him without a mustache. I guarantee, like in in like middle school, he fucking had that thing. He just looked like he was fucking like forty all the time. Yeah, people age different back in the day. Like if you look at old NFL and NBA players in like the seventies, I'd be like, oh that. He was 59 playing. They're like, yeah, he was 19. I'm like, Jesus. They just aged different back in the day. Bill Russell. Back, look at your parents' yearbooks. It's crazy. Yeah, Bill Russell. <laughs> Bill Russell looked like he was fucking like, you know, like 50 years old playing the NBA. It's like exactly. the Bob Bob Cousy dribbling around like he's goddamn Speedy Gonzalez. He still looked like he was fucking 50. It's crazy. <laughs> like the age, aging was just different then. Maybe they just ate garbage <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right let's move on to oh god what are they got a, we got they got like 10 minutes left what do we got what do you want what do you want me to, jake do you want me to do marvel emails or do you want me to do hey uh, yeah you want me to do marvel emails jake <laughs> 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 it sounds like what what that sounds good. <laughs> Let's move into Marvel news. Marvel news. Marvel news is brought to you by Lukewarm beer. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> this beer, dude, it's terrible. Damn, this is a fucking, this is, this is like, this should be against the law, dude, what I'm doing. Listen to this real quick, hold on. You hear that? 
ice cold, Stella. You motherfucker. Fuck you. Wow. <laughs> that was harsh. Wow. You so good. Dad is, I'm Dad celebrating is higher than Giamatti piss. <laughs> God. I'm literally drinking Paul Giamatti piss right now. <laughs> um. Is it sideways, Giamatti, or is it... Oh, God. Uh, I think it's pig vomit, Giamatti. <laughs> yeah, private parts, Giamatti. It's pig, fu- it's pig fucker, Giamatti? Yeah. Is, is it, was he pig fucker or pig vomit? Pig vomit. Pig vomit. Oh, God, I love that movie. Oh, my God, I love it. Uh, we got a, the sanctity of my wife. <laughs> we got uh, we got two Marvel emails that I want to cover, and um, it has to deal with the. I think they both have to deal with the Black Widow movie. And this first one comes from uh, Terrence Melvin, and uh, subject is Black Widow Taskmaster. So if you haven't watched Black Widow uh, in the theater or Disney Plus, this might go over some spoilers. So you might want to fuck off. Um, <laughs> says, hello, Brian. After listening to your Black Widow unpacking episode, I agree that the Taskmaster reveal was a letdown, but my thought is this, with Marvel going into the direction of the multiverse, could they be able to fix the Taskmaster they brought in with the Black Widow movie and bring in the true origin of Taskmaster, that is Tony Masters, so that they can satisfy fans and actually have Drakov's daughter actually become a widow along with the other widows. What are your thoughts on this? Also, do you think Yelena can take down a Koye in hand-to-hand combat? No weapons. Once again, I love the show. It provides me with constant content to watch and to follow along while listening to your show weekly. Jake, here's the thing. I think like they've already kind of like are starting to correct the, you know, Mandarin thing that they did. And I know a lot of people loved what they did with, and I mean, you're one of them. You love what they did with the whole fucking, you know, uh, Ben, uh, what's his name? Kingsley. Ben Kingsley fucking, uh, Mandarin thing where he's Trevor and you love that shit. But they're, cor- <laughs> they're, they're, they're correcting that. We're getting a proper Mandarin in the Shang-Chi series. Shang-Chi series. I think it's a little too much for them to fucking just like, Introduce a character in Black Widow and then just like correct it again for Tony Masters. I think they're, I don't think we're going to get a proper Tony Masters. I think this is the end of Taskmaster. Yeah, yeah, I want the proper Taskmaster just as much as anybody after seeing what we saw with that character. But yeah, you're absolutely right. There's no way they're going to immediately, I don't think they think that they need to course correct anything. Yeah. So the fan outcry hasn't been that intense really. So I, I don't think we're going to, the multiverse is not going to bring us a comic legit taskmaster. I agree with you. All right. <laughs> who do, who do you think, uh, guys, who do you think's going to win? Yelena, will Yelena take down a Koye in hand to hand combat? No weapons, just bare knuckle boxing. Yelena versus a Koye. Come on, G. What are we talking yeah. about? Right? Uh, yeah, that's well, Koye is from Wakanda, 125th Street. She's taking that shit. Yeah, Koye all the way. Two rounds. Two, he's going two rounds? Two rounds. Two rounds knockout. I don't think it's going that far. Mm. <laughs> At least two rounds. I don't think it's an instant <laughs> knockout. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I mean, seriously, come on. 
Look at look at fucking look at Denai Guerrera, and then look at Florence Pugh. Come on, dude, that shit. It's it's over. Koye wins hands down. I think like I don't know. I I think it would be interesting to. I would. Uh, I'll be honest. Coming out of uh, Black Widow, I was thinking to myself like I would like to see kind of like a like a fucking like brawl between the widows and the Dora Milaje. Like, that would be fucking cool. Like, I don't know how it's either happen, but, like, it'd be fucking cool. But if you're going, like, one-on-one, Yelena versus Okoye, Okoye wins. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that shit. Um, so thank you for the email, Terrence. What's the next email? David Hennessy. Hey, Brian, do you think Taskmaster... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Do you think Taskmaster will make a reappearance? Do you think that since the Taskmaster's ability seems to be uh, some sort... I like David Hennessy. He's a good listener. Do you think uh, that since uh, the Taskmaster's ability seems to be some sort of program that was perfected by Drakoff, that when the Red Room crashed, the technology survived? Maybe someone will pick that technology back up and we will later be introduced to the Anthony Masters Taskmaster. I... Dude, it's the same goddamn question here from David. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this guy's way about it makes a little bit more logical sense. I think, honestly, Just David, straight up like slapping some duct tape on it. I think, David, not going to happen. I think the chances that we get asked the same question again next week on next week's podcast are higher than a seeing Taskmaster again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, sm- I'm smelling our <laughs> iTunes review is going to be complaining about Taskmaster next week. <laughs> I can't, we get a one star because they fucked up Taskmaster. <laughs> <laughs> they fixed Taskmaster. What, what, how are you blaming us for that shit, man? <laughs> what did we do? Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I think I, I think like Taskmasters could have been handled differently in the Blackwood. I, but I, yeah, at the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, David, I don't think we're getting. A proper taskmaster. It would be cool though to Jake. What if they did a proper taskmaster in kind of like a what if cartoon animated series thing? Yeah, I mean it's a character that's been represented a lot in video games and cartoons already. Like it's not like there aren't ways for you to get fulfillment from this character more like the comic book way and other media. So, but. Yeah, I don't know. What would the what if be? What if they didn't fuck up Taskmaster? <laughs> <laughs> what if, what if, yeah, what if Kevin Feige understood this character? <laughs> well, here's something. Why do you think they went that way? Because I think they think I thought they I bet they think that 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 reveal of uh, spoilers for Black Widow that, that they think that that reveal of Drakov's daughter being the tra- Taskmaster was like going to be like this explosive kind of like oh shit thing. When in all honesty, like when I reviewed when we reviewed it on the last episode, I said like they could have just revealed Drakov's daughter being a fucking widow. They didn't have to have her being revealed as as Taskmaster. They could have done justice to that character, made that Taskmaster villain a more 
interesting character with personality. That was, I think that Jake, I think that was our biggest problem with that villain. The villain was just boring and bland. It didn't have any personality. And when you watch like some of the greatest superhero movies that have ever been made, the villains have a personality that kind of like pushes our main central hero. And like when you watch, you know, the dark Knight um, with uh, Heath Ledger, you know, Heath Ledger is just like, just, just oozes like, you know, that character of, of the Joker in that movie, the way that they wanted to portray that Joker in that movie. Um, you know, Terrence Stamp as Zod was just like, you know, kneel before Zod. Like we fucking, we got who that fucking character was. At the end of the day, Taskmaster was just used as like this Shyamalan twist reveal at the end of the movie. Like, oh, I'm Drakov's daughter. <laughs> You know, it's like, okay, you could have done the exact same fucking reveal with that character just by making her a widow and still giving us a proper taskmaster with some personality that would be able to fucking, you know, um, I don't know, have some personality while, while, while she's fighting Black Widow and Florence Pugh and Red Guardian. Like, it's, you've got this silent fucking villain. And I'll be honest with you. We saw that shit when we watched The Winter Soldier. It's it had been done before, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, this and done what way better. Ghost, there. Ghost was kind of the same way too, right? From Ant Man. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's I, they just wanted to slap a familiar name on the character, and you know, get a look get people a bit more hyped by using something they were familiar with, but going completely astray from what people like about that character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got uh, one final email here from, uh, Todd taskmaster. Todd, Todd, Todd Stanford says, Hey, Brian, Jake, do you think they'll bring taskmaster? Back? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> There's no third email. I just made that bullshit up. <laughs> guys, guys, that is everything, uh, that, uh, that I have for this week's episode. There, you know, other things to check out this week that we didn't cover. There is a very fucking cool interview with James Gunn. He did a lengthy interview with the New York Times and he talked about, uh, him getting fired from Marvel and everything. Check that the fuck out. And then, uh, maybe I'll talk about this next week, but, uh, Jake, did you hear about the Obi-Wan Kenobi series? Oh, I'll bring it up real quick. Obi-Wan Kenobi series, there's a rumor here from MakingStarWars.net. Um, they're saying that Inquisitors are going to show up in this series, dude. Oh, yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised they wouldn't want to go back to that well. I, I think they're very proud of those cartoons and want to keep them fresh in people's minds. Yeah. So, Guys, that is all we've got for you this week. Thank you so much for fucking listening. I want to thank the Heroes of Noise. I want to thank Dan, and I want to thank Steve for joining us on this episode. Guys, you did a fantastic job. It was great having you on this episode. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having us on. Thank it's always, you very much. Always a blast coming on here. Love talking to you guys. Um, exactly. Your podcast, I would give it a Tupperware because you guys are heroes, and you do have noise on your podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, falling in line. I'm going to put that in the iTunes. That's there how I'm going to sell the show. There you go. There you go. No, where, hey, tell us a little bit about your podcast, where people can find you, man. You guys should be proud of what you're doing. Steve, go for it, my man. 
Well, you can find everything. Heroes of Noise, we talk about everything from music to, uh, to movies to, to, you know what? Sometimes we even talk uh, comics, but we're not as good as the wonderful people at Pop Culture Leftovers, but we do our best. You can check us out at the Heroes of Noise at gmail.com. Again, Heroes of Noise at gmail.com. You could also go to heroesofnoise.com. Dan set up an amazing website. He is the master of the internet. People, we love you so very much. And dude, go ahead. What's so funny? My man is the king of hyperbole. Check us out. We're fucking, I think we're pretty good. Is that biased to say that? I think we're pretty good. Check us out, man. You know what I mean? Heroes of Noise. <laughs> WWE. The master of hyperbole. <laughs> this like, is the, oh. the fucking apparent master of the internet signing off. Jake, I, I think that we are the uh, piss worm podcast. <laughs> oh, God damn it. This, this I, I can't believe I've drank temperature comedy. Room temperature. I cannot believe I've drank half of this, Jake. This is unreal. Like there's a point where like you're drinking, where you're drinking fucking like room temperature fucking alcohol. This fucking room temperature beer. There's a point where you just don't give a fuck anymore. And you just, <laughs> I've hit that point, man. Why don't you, why, why didn't you get a glass of ice, friend? Ice and beer? What the fuck, Steve? Is that not what you, I don't drink beer, so I don't know. Have you, have you, have you ever heard anybody ask for a beer on the rocks? <laughs> yeah, you have to like, you have to like frost the glass. That's the best you can do. Wow, that's unfortunate for y'all beer drinkers. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, that one, that one hurt. I didn't think, guys, I didn't think I'd be going through, I had seven beers left. I didn't think that I would drink all seven throughout this episode. And I did. And I was like, holy shit, we're going on to number eight. And I got to drink fucking Paul Giamatti piss. Wow. <laughs> I didn't think we'd your, get to that point. Your love for beer supersedes your taste. It's amazing. Oh, you make me sound like a piece of shit. You make me, <laughs> you make me sound pathetic, sir. <laughs> Don't forget, he's the master of hyperbole. So. <laughs> he's, he's exaggerating. Here's the thing: I honestly, I drink one time a week. I and that's only when we record. That's the only time I ever fucking drink. So one I, time a week, nighttime. Nighttime, yeah. Oh my god, uh, guys, uh, yeah. Heroes of Noise, check them out. I want to thank Dan, Steve, thank you so much. Jake, thank you so much, guys. We will be guys. Send your fucking emails, comments at Pop Culture Leftovers if you want to join us on episode four hundred. It is about you. It is. A, it is not about. A, it's not about fucking sucking our dicks. It's episode four hundred. We want to get to know you. We want to get our listeners on the podcast. We want to talk to you, and we do this every one hundred episodes. Episode 400, Jake. We're doing this for fucking eight and a half years now, man. And I can't wait to hear from some new people, have some old friends back on. Episode 400, it's going to be a blast. This is the only time I'm going to announce episode 400 um, from now until 400. And, uh, yeah, dude, uh, it, episode 400, dude, I always have a great time with these fucking every, these... 100th episodes that we do, Jake. They're 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 fun. What, what do you call? What do you every hundred? What do you call it? Um, is this centennial? I think centennial is correct. <laughs> it's an X in Roman numerals. This will be our our, our quad X. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so send me send me an email um, if you want to be on, and we'll talk to you. Hopefully, um, everybody that comes on is excited to come on and talk to us and and just have a good time, man. I've always just like I've always it's it's so cool. Like Jake will just have people rotating every fifteen minutes, and it's cool some of the combinations that we get of people coming on these podcasts and, and talking to each other for the first time. It's a, it's a blast, man. I, I love these episodes. It's, it's one of the things, it only comes around every two years, man. But man, we have a blast every fucking hundred episodes. Oh yeah. It's super fun. It's just fun to see what the different people that call in are going to want to talk about, like what's at the pulse of pop culture right then and there that everyone wants to talk about. Like, I kind of want to go back and listen to those three episodes again. Yeah, sometimes I don't, I don't even want to talk about fucking the pop culture shit. I just like bullshit and having fun. Talk about whatever the fuck, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything and everything. Yeah, I feel like I feel like when you open it up like that, Jake, we're just gonna get like like thirty fucking people asking us like, do you think Taskmaster's gonna come back? <laughs> I don't think that'll be on the pulse in, in eight more weeks. I hope. I hope not. All right, guys. Just like all good leftovers say on the doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with episode 390. See ya. Laters. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before and we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap! Good it, toss it, good it, taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean it, erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carryover, counterculture, pushovers Pop culture Leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure Leftovers Podcasts that are original and good Have already been done before So we should Separate the wheat from the shaft And we're the shaft crap Even though we're the shit We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids It's a trap Good and toss it, good and taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean it, race it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carryover, counterculture, pushover Pop culture, leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture, leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushover, pop culture, leftover. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said, leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent 